We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, we are in week nine of the podcast, our last week in single digits, and joining us this week, former Cullenwood High School football star, former Mount Union College football star, and former NFL wide receiver Cecil Shorts III joins us from Houston, Texas. Cecil talks to us about his journey from a small college, although it's a powerhouse, all the way to the pros what he's got going on now, and some of his impressions of current events in the NFL. All of that, plus our Garage Beers of the Week. So, come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open your favorite cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome in, everybody, to the ninth episode of the Garage Beers podcast uh, our last week in single digits, Chad. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and man, we've got a really, really good one for you now uh, here in the uh, in the Cleveland heat uh, with you, as always, over here on the west side of Cleveland, Michael Keefe, second week in the garage. So Chad's got to give me props for that because I sp- stayed no. in my basement no. for the first seven episodes. And over on the east side of Cleveland in his garage is Chad Meyer. What's going on, Chad? Oh, nothing, man. Like it's, it's hot. It's a nice day out in the garage. Uh, honestly, I'm tired of sports giving me blue balls right now. (laughs) Like, 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 like I, 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 like it's, 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 I get all these alerts from bleach report and like, and and the score saying like, Oh, the NFL is, is, is talking about coming back and expecting a full season or or the NHL is, is, is is discovering cities. I'm like, you know, it's like when you're hooking up with a girl for the first time and you're like making out and then she just tells you to stop. Like, like, uh, no, like, just tell me, let's just <laughs> tell me when sports is coming back. Like, I'm sick of the alerts. Okay. Listen, I'm <laughs> no, glad to be doing this. I'm glad that we're doing this tonight. And we've got a really, really cool special guest here tonight. We're going to get to him in just a second. I'm glad to be doing this tonight. Uh, we normally record on Tuesday or on Wednesday, but we're recording on Tuesday this week. And I'm glad because that's taken me out of the world of even being tempted to turn on my TV tonight because ESPN's having a big Chicago Cubs love fest from the 2016 World Series. And they're like playing game seven with Joe Madden. And I'm like, I don't even want to watch that. So uh, I'm glad we're podcasting here tonight. Yeah, I'm sick of the rewatches too. Yeah, I don't don't, don't need to see. Leave me alone with that. I only want to see times where we win. Uh, and, And that's too few and far between. 
right. so we're going to get to our garage beers of the week, but we got a special guest and he's going to join us for the garage beer of the week. So, uh, again, super excited for this. Uh, we are very excited to have Cleveland native or Kent native, but Northeast Ohio native, uh, Mount union, superstar division three football record holder. And, uh, and multi-year NFL veteran Cecil Shorts the Third is on with us. What's going on, Cecil? What's up, man? I appreciate the intro. That was uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> well, dude, you read your, you know, I'm going through like, I'm like, yeah, I know, I know a bit about Cecil Shorts. I'm a Cleveland guy. Like you, you kind of, you kind of follow your 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 people from Cleveland. And then yeah. I'm going through just looking at like, especially the Mount Union, the numbers, man. And we're gonna get into that because we got to do our garage beers first. We're gonna get into that, but like. I, I, like, are they building a statue for you down there? I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, how cool would that be? Yeah, um, man. I think, I think for a statue, you got you got to give a good amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> a okay, good fair. amount of money back. Now, I've been giving a little bit, but not as much for a statue, probably. But maybe a plaque. I, I'm, I'm grateful. <laughs> a plaque. There we go. There we go. A plaque. Yeah. So the first thing we do before we get into a little bit about your story, Cecil, and uh, uh, before we uh, talk a little bit about what's going on in the world of sports, as depressing as that is, uh, we do our first segment. Yeah, right. We do our first segment every week. It's called our Garage Beers of the Week, okay. where we go around and we share just a little bit about what beers we're drinking this week. What's uh, what's making us feel good after a long, hard day of work. So uh, we always we always leave it up to our special guest of the week to lead us off uh, and oh. give you the honor. So. Mr. Cecil Shorts III down in Texas, what do you got going down there for your garage beer of the week? Okay, so today is just a simple Miller Lite. Can't go wrong yeah. with it, right? Um, funny story. So I'm not a huge beer drinker. I'm more of a wine drinker. I think we had this conversation. Yep. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, this beer, so draft weekend, I work for the Texans. So draft weekend, I'm doing like covered stuff on the radio whatever. And um, they send like all this draft party stuff to the house, and they sent like a twenty-four pack of Miller Lite. I'm like, oh, I can't pass this up. Like you, oh, you just right. can't free beer. I'm like, okay, perfect. <laughs> so tonight, tonight's choice uh, is simply a Miller Lite. Can't go wrong with it. I think the only thing better than a garage beer is a free beer. Yeah, I was gonna say the hey, price is right. Hey, hey. It's better than the Natty Lights I was drinking in college. <laughs> uh, yeah, well. Ooh, I can't even think I, about that. I, I had Keystone, man. I was a Keystone guy. You was a Keystone guy? Uh, yeah, I was a Keystone guy. A 30-pack in Ashland was $6. So I, I just couldn't. <laughs> I remember stressing about that, too. Said, oh, we got to buy more beer. Uh, six bucks. That's like three hours of work. So a Miller Lite. Miller Lite makes its first appearance. We've had Bud Light a couple times. Okay. Uh, we okay. had... Former Cleveland Brown, uh, Felix Wright, uh, had a Bud Light. And uh, Al Snow, I think, had a Bud Light, too. Former professional wrestler, or current professional wrestler, yeah. Mr. All-Around Wrestler. Uh, so Miller yeah. Light makes its first appearance. Cecil Shorts the third. Uh, Chad, what do, you got, what do you got going on over there on the east side? Well, real quick, you know who Jay Crawford is, Cecil? Yeah, ESPN. Uh, yeah. Well, former, former ESPN guy. I think he's on WKYC3 now. Is that yeah, he's correct? In yep. Yeah, yeah, he is. And... Uh, little funny story here he's he big timed everybody like oh. we have like craft beer uh we usually have like i don't know just just different beers like nothing special i wouldn't say fancy fancy but this guy pulls out do you remember the brew kettle uh it, it, it's a brewery around here yes that you can, you can make your own beer 
he, but he decides to big time us. He met with like the, the, the head honcho of brew kettle, <laughs> got his own beer made. And he goes, Oh, uh, just a little humble guy. Like he takes, he takes a sip. I'm like, is that your face? He holds the beer up to the camera and it, it, wow. it got his face on it. On it called it like believe land pumpkin beer. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Like what the, <laughs> like, Hey, must be nice, man. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Jay but, Crawford uh, doing it big. <laughs> right, right. But uh, me, I'm going with uh, down to Cincinnati tonight. I've got Rheingeist. Ooh, good one. And I've got the the, the Whistle Wit beer. It's uh, I mean, I'm in full summer beer mode, like I told you last week, Mike. So you know, the the stouts and the IPAs will be done for me uh, until the fall. So, but this is a nice light. It's not like fruity. Not like a fruity beer. Like, I'm, hey, you wouldn't I'm, want I'm that. Man. I'm a man, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Rheingeist makes its first appearance on the Garage Beers podcast. Uh, so Chad over there drinking the Rheingeist, and I am. I'm also in super summer mode today. But we'll see how it is next time because uh, you're going to ha- find it hard pressed to get me off the IPAs. But uh, my favorite of this type of beer, I'm drinking a Shandy tonight, which is abnormal for me. But Market Garden in Cleveland makes this it's just called the shandy and they make it with like real actual fresh lemon juice and beer and it is just refreshing and it's like a little sweet but not too sweet and it is amazing so i went with the market garden brewery shandy right there in downtown cleveland uh and so again we got we got miller light we got ryan geist we got market garden those are our garage beers of the week cheers fellas and we will get in we're going to get into a little bit of Cecil Shorts here. Uh, again, uh, really excited to have you on here uh, with us. Um, got a great story, uh, especially, you know, your years at Mount Union. And we want to talk about what you're doing now. I know you're doing some work down there in Houston, like you said. Uh, so, so we'll kind of get into all that. But uh, uh, we're going to start just early on before you even went to Mount, went to Collinwood High School mm-hmm. um, uh, and played quarterback, right? Yeah, so I was a quarterback since I was seven years old. So I was born in Cleveland, and then uh, I moved to Kent, Ohio. My dad was finishing up school. My mom was working down there. So I lived there from, like, kindergarten to third grade. And then my fourth grade year, my grandfather, who was a professional boxer in Cleveland, um, he started to have symptoms of dementia. So we moved back to Cleveland. So I've been in in Cleveland, I guess, most of my life. Um, So, yeah. Born and raised in Cleveland, and my dad was my high school coach. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a minute, uh, because obviously uh, having a dad as a coach, in my experience, having a dad as a coach is your job is immediately the hardest job on the team, but all the guys think it's the easiest. Like all your teammates think your dad's giving you special treatment, but in reality, your dad, like my dad, was harder on me than anybody else. so what was that like? Uh, you know, obviously super supremely talented. Uh, what was it like having your dad as your head football coach? It was tough. Uh, my dad's a hard-nosed coach, so he's, he's going to keep it straight with you whether you like it or not. He's yelling, he's screaming, and my dad was young too, so he was <laughs> he was running, throwing us to the ground, all types of illegal type stuff probably. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you, if you, if, listen, I remember one time we had practice and I was like sophomore, junior year and we're at, so I went to Collinwood, so it was this park called Mandalay Park 
about a mile or two from Collarwood High School. Yeah. And at the park, we had, it was a running day. It was a conditioning day at practice. And some guys just had an attitude at practice. Didn't want to run. And my dad, one of our coaches was a track coach. And my dad was the assistant track coach. He'd been, he'd been coaching track his whole life, right? So they, basically, the skill guys, we had like 400s at practice, 300s at practice. Yeah, he counted, he would count it off. And we got to run around these cones at practice. And people were like, I don't want to do that today. It's hot, whatever. So a few of us had an attitude. So my dad waited till we came around almost the end of our 400 and started throwing people to the ground. You're not going to run. Y'all don't want to win. You don't want to be great. <laughs> Just doing all this stuff. <laughs> and, and it's like, yo, dad, you can't. I'm looking back now like, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> You're in trouble. Like, this is not right. 19, you know, 70s and stuff where, you know, it was different then, right? They were a lot more hands-on. They can they could get away with some stuff. Yeah, I mean, in honestly, this is 2000. You can't, you can't do stuff <laughs> like that, but he, he was fine. We all respected him. And, but it was, it was a battle, man. It was, it was like you mentioned, it's tough because you feel like he's always harder on you. And he was, cause he wanted to see the best from me. He, he knew what I was capable of. And he saw things that I didn't see in myself, if that makes sense. And that's what a good coach does. The good father though, they try to bring it out of you. So we had our battles, some things I regret. I said some harsh things in, in, in my past and some things that, you know, I think we need to go through to build our relationship that is strong today. And then as far as me becoming a man and a better football player, a better athlete, I, I needed that, man. So it's crazy. He was my hardest coach. So every other coach, it was, it was easy to deal with. It was easy to understand. It was just easy to, to you know, fall in line and listen to what they're saying. Um, cause, but that, that we, had, we had some battles, boy. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, at that age, you don't realize it at all. But, you know, the older you get, you're like, oh, man, <laughs> those are lessons that I needed. It helped make me a better man. I like that. I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was he was the only. <laughs> OK, this is this is sidetrack. So he's the only uh, <laughs> he's the only coach that made me cry because you know, he's <laughs> my dad. He was hard on me. Boom. Until I got in the NFL and I cried one time. Oh no! Was, yeah, and don't, don't don't think I'm soft or whatever, but it was no, uh, <laughs> my rookie year in, in Jack Del Rio, and we were okay. terrible. Yeah. Um, we weren't good. He actually got fired that year. It's 2011, and my receiver coach just wasn't that good. So I struggled running a, a curl route, 12 yards back to the quarterback. I just struggled running that route, and I was struggling in that practice. I'm trying to trying to get my feet in the ground, losing confidence in myself. So he brings me into his office after a practice one day. And he just lets me have it. He's turned the film on and he's in this beautiful office and he's just letting me have it. Just going in, going in, going in for about 30 minutes. And I'm like, well, damn, like, am I doing anything? <laughs> like, like, come on, bro. But I, I didn't say anything. But the more he went in, I was so frustrated and I was so mad because I was, I, I was trying to figure it out. You know, some tears started falling down my face. But from that moment, I figured out, I just learned a lot from that moment. That from that moment on, it changed my career. You know what I mean? It changed the way I thought, how I processed things, how I prepared for practice and games and learned how to be a pro. I needed that. Um, but that was a moment. I'm like, ah, oh, but that's, I'm sorry. I mean, to hop around. This made me think. That no, only, no, no. Jack Del Rio made me cry. That's some, that's some soft stuff, but it's all no, good. Man, we, <laughs> I know we just, I know we just met tonight, but you said the quote before, please don't think I'm soft. Uh, <laughs> as a dude that played in the NFL for, X amount of years, 
if you only knew who you were talking to, like, I, I don't think Chad and I call anybody soft. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I played division two ball, but, uh, I mean, I'm not like, <laughs> I didn't make it to the NFL and I probably cried five, six times in it, but. a day. <laughs> All right. So, so you're, you're a Collinwood superstar. Uh, talk about kind of that recruiting process and, and uh, you know, uh, when you kind of knew you were going to be able to play at the next level, the college level. And then was there a recruiting process? Uh, did you have offers? Uh, what led you to Mount Union? It's crazy. So my dad did a wonderful job and his staff, did a wonderful job of promoting us, taking us to camps all through the Midwest. Um, he would drive us, I mean, they would drive us either by bus, individually, just taking us and putting us in front, putting us in front of different college scouts and different different combines or whatever the case may be. So all summer, my junior and senior year, that, that's what we did. And um, we started getting some attention. My, after my junior year, junior year, we started getting attention, but going to my senior year, a lot of Mac schools were high on my trail. So the top three were Buffalo, Eastern Michigan, Akron, and uh, Youngstown State. But Youngstown State is not MAC. Right. Uh, I believe it's one double A. But those schools were really hot on me. So I'm, at that point, I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to go you know, play the next level. And I was excited. You know what I mean? I was the oldest of six kids. I'm in a situation living in the inner city of Cleveland. Like, yo, I get a chance to, to make it out. I get a chance to help, you know, not have my kids or my dad and mom pay for college. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. So my senior year goes on, and we're balling. We're having a good year. We almost became close to uh, Glenville, who's a powerhouse at that time in the city. They had my senior year. They had twenty six guys go to Division One. Yeah, twenty five guys go to Division One in two thousand six. That was like the years of Ray Smalls, Robert Rose, Arville Nelson. Just tons of tons That's of crazy. studs. Tons That's of studs. Crazy. Um, and we battled them. So at halftime, it was fourteen to twelve. And then they were just too deep. We ended up losing like 30 to 18, something like that. But we gave them all we got. So we had a really good year. I think we went 7-3 my senior year. Barely missed the state playoffs. And then things started picking up. Like, okay, well, I'm, I'm assuming things are going to be picking up. I'm getting handwritten letters. I'm getting phone calls. All this stuff from those schools. And then once December hits, oh, quick story. So the summer going into my senior year, we're at Akron. And Akron's like, told my dad like hey we're about to we're gonna offer him today so i'm all excited like oh i'm about to get my first offer like once i get my first (laughs) one the other ones will come and i'm like all right cool so they had the whole coaching staff of akron watch our 707 game and we played like brexville or some red and white school (laughs) and i went off i had two interceptions i threw for like four touchdowns i was just going off yeah and i'm like they're gonna offer me today I ended up not getting an offer. Um, watch out, buddy. I ended up not getting an offer. Sorry, my, one of my sons is here. I ended up not getting an offer. And then on top of that, come fast forward to December, Akron was the first school and said, hey, once the season was over, hey, we're not going to offer you, but we want you to walk on. And at that time, I'm like, nah, I'm good. I appreciate y'all, but I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I expect to get some offers. Buffalo, fast forward to January, Buffalo, Eastern Michigan still inter- interested. Buffalo's I'm pretty sure they were going to offer. Their whole coaching staff gets fired. Oh. So it's like the whole new coaching staff comes in. We reach, we reach out to them, and they're like, you know, we'll do our research, blah, blah, blah. I never heard back from them. Never heard back from Eastern Michigan. And the Youngstown State called and said they want me to walk on. So I'm like, oh, man. I just, you know, I thought this yeah. was going to work out as far as Division One. 
I feel like I'm I'm good enough to play Division One. Um, well, you know, I'm just frustrated. Like, why why is this not working out? So track season happens. I always do well in track. We had a good track program at Collinwood girls and boys. Um, and then I guess around February, let's see, signing days in February, right? So didn't sign obviously, but come March, April, I'm trying to figure out what school I'm going to. And then my dad takes us to this, uh, I guess college recruiting night. There's a bunch of D2 and D3 schools. And at the time, you know, my dad's selling us to all these schools and a lot of us, a lot of them know they were just waiting to see who falls through the cracks. So like a few D2 schools really, really liked me, but they wanted me to switch positions. And at the time, I thought I was Michael Vick. And I'm like, no, I'm not switching <laughs> positions. <laughs> I'm a quarterback. That's what I want to play. That's what I want to do. I remember Slippery Rock, Lockhaven, Ashland, a few other teams. They wanted me to switch positions. Not Lockhaven, yeah. but a few other schools. I'm like, they want to play DB or running back or quarterback. I'm, I mean, DB running back or cornerback. I'm even a receiver, and I'm like, nah, man, I'm I'm a quarterback. This is what I want to do. Now, at that time, a lot of those schools, Ashland was pretty good, but the other schools weren't that good. So I'm like, I don't want to go to a program. And to be honest, at Collinwood, we struggled early on, and we built it up to be decent. So I didn't want to have to start all the way over in college. Sure. Mount Union came along like, hey, we love your film. You and, and my my best friend, uh, he's my uh, number one receiver. They're like, we love you guys. We want you to come down for a visit. And I didn't know anything about Mount, really. My dad knew all about it. But I didn't know anything sure. about Mount, really. Oh, yeah. And uh, that December, we actually watched him play on TV. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I'm like, oh, okay, I remember you guys. Y'all played on TV this year for the Stag Bowl. <laughs> so we go down there. We love the school. And they really show love to us. They really show, like, they really wanted me to be at that school. And other sure. schools showed the same, but it was just – it felt different at Mount Union. And then once you hear about the the championships and how they win all the time, it's like, yo, it's hard not to be, not to want to be a part of that. You know what I mean? And so that was a, it was a tough decision because um, I turned some money down from D2. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't full scholarships, but I did right. turn some opportunity to get some money to actually pay to go to school at, at Mount Union. Um, and uh, it would be a lot of financial aid and stuff, but it was, end up being a, a real blessing for us. Yeah. Oh, I would say so. I mean, where's your national championship ring, man? Do you got it? Do you got it in your house in a case somewhere? Or where, man, where is dad, it? My dad keeps everything. Like he keeps <laughs> all the news clippings, all, all right. the newspapers, magazines, any and everything. My dad keeps it, and he has like this this man cave in his house in his in his basement. And uh, they they live in South Euclid now, and they got it's just all types of stuff down there. He keeps everything. Like literally, he's a hoarder. <laughs> I can see him. Cecil just shows up to show his dad the ring, and his dad just throws him to the ground like it's back in the days of football practice. Just what takes the that? ring. <laughs> this is mine now. <laughs> I got no, you that he, ring. I got you that he, he ring. He just really cherishes like stuff like that. And he always yeah. said, like, let me let me worry about the clippings and the awards and stuff. You just focus on what you got to focus on. Let me that's worry cool, about though. everything else. Something like that. That's just kind of the mindset I had. Yeah, that's cool. So, so now you're at Mount, uh, and you started there as a quarterback. So you, yeah. you kind of led into what the next kind of part of this was. Your freshman year, you start as a quarterback, as a backup. Yep. But then one of your teammates, uh, Pierre Garçon, who anybody that watches the NFL is going to be familiar with, uh, graduates, and you make the switch over to receiver. So yes. what was that conversation like? You know, I think uh, anytime 
you know, I don't want to bring like race into our mm-hmm. very fun podcast, but I just feel like I automatically get annoyed anytime I see like a, a, a quality black quarterback. I just feel like they always somehow, some way get asked to switch positions. Uh, yep. And, and I don't know if that goes through your mind at all. Like what's, what's that conversation like? And was it your choice? Was it their choice? Kind of where were you at there? Oh yeah. So to be honest, to be fair, Anytime that happens to a black quarterback, we think about it. You know what I mean? Like, is, is it a race thing? Is it like, just, we're just, it's just honest. You, you think about it. It might not yeah. be the case at the time, but that's the thought that goes through your mind. But in my case, we just had a damn good quarterback <laughs> at Mount Union. <laughs> and they were like, listen, the best way for you to get on the field is to switch positions because he was a sophomore. So let me think. My yeah. freshman year. And you got to know, too, like when you come to Mount Union, there's 125 freshmen that come in, which two or three JV teams, and then you got a varsity team. So my true freshman year, I was on JV, and I made some plays. I was able to dress a couple varsity games, but I ended up getting hurt in the JV game, so I redshirted. Going to that spring, I ran track, and I ended up being an All-American on a relay. I was on a really good relay. Um, and my, they made my part easy. I was a freshman. I'm just, I'm just going to run fast as I can, <laughs> but they, they made my part easy, but I ended up being an all American, um, that year in indoor and outdoor season on in a, a few individual events. And they were like, Hey, we want you on the field, but we got a sophomore that, you know, is going to be our guy. And that sophomore just took over the spot from a senior. Um, so my red shirt freshman year in football, I'm like, no, nah, I, I still, I was like the number three quarterback. And they wanted me to groom me because I had five seniors in front of me at receiver. So, like, we want to groom you to be, you know, basically the next receiver behind that, that leaves after all these guys leave. So, I'm frustrated. I didn't like it. I'm like, whatever. I mean, it'll get me on the field, but I just didn't like it. I, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking I'm a better quarterback than this particular guy. His name is Greg McKay. Right. And long story short, to be honest, I think I could have played well. But Greg was a beast. <laughs> Greg was solid, man. He was a guy that um, extremely smart. I still don't know what his major is or what it means. <laughs> general, general. <laughs> he was a guy that um, about six two, six three, left handed. wasn't extremely strong arm, but he was super intelligent. So we would go to the line of scrimmage, and it would be like doubles right. Check with Greg. So there'll be no, there'll be no play. And it was like lined up in the formation, and Greg would call the play the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And we ran that like 50% of the time that year. And it was crazy how successful we were and how good. I mean, Greg ended up winning like the, the D3 Heisman that year. He being a two-time, three-time All-American. He was outstanding. So I had to really learn my role and to really humble myself. And I think a lot of incoming freshmen or young, young players going to college – because in high school, think about this. In high school, you're all-conference. Right. You're a captain of your team. You're the man in school. You're all-state, whatever it is. You get all these honors. And you go to the school because they recruit you and they want you. And it's like, all right, now you're starting from ground zero again. And it's like, yeah. man, you, you, you all pumped up. Like, I belong this. I, I, you know, I'm, I belong to, I'm, you know, not belong. I deserve this. I deserve that. When the reality right. is they don't need you to win. They want you, but they won without you. And I had to realize that. Like, they won championships without me. They don't yeah. need me to win a championship. So once I figured that out, okay, I'm like, all right, let me embrace my role. So my registered freshman year, I was the sixth receiver and third string quarterback. And I would, I would get in because we would blow teams out. So I would get in and I would score touchdowns. 
um, or get in like you know garbage time, and we'll be we'll be killing teams. I remember my first ever catch, my first ever play. It was a five yard out. Ran five yards and ran out. Nobody around me. Ball went straight through my hands. Oh no! <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, no! Whoa! Oh, They're never no. gonna throw the ball to me again. Boom! <laughs> the very next play, coach called a post for me. Touchdown. Yeah. And, and from then on, I'm like, okay, he believes in me. Like this dude, they, they give me a shot. They really think I can be something. You know what I mean? So I, I appreciate them so much for making me switch positions. I didn't want to, man. I thought it was stupid. I'm like, I'm Michael Vick. You don't understand. I am Cordell Stewart. I am <laughs> any black quarterback. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I am. That's who I am. This receiver stuff isn't so bad, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God, you can. I, I bet. I bet you can still like. I bet you can still see that first pass coming at you. Oh, absolutely. And still feel it going through your hands and that absolutely. feeling. When I mean it was nobody around me, it wasn't a single soul around me. So it was – I was in the slot. Pierre Garçon was outside. Pierre ran like a post. Everybody's worried about Pierre. Yeah. I'm wide open in the flat, and I'm just like <laughs> – Oh, yeah. <laughs> just a straight through. Just terrible. But no, that, I had to learn that. I needed that year because my red shirt freshman year, I don't know, I had 15, 16 catches, uh, a few runs out of the Wildcat. But I needed that year to learn how to play receiver because I was just an athlete out there. I didn't know how to run routes. I didn't know how to get off the press. I just didn't know. So for me, that was the best time to learn from the seniors ahead of me. And then once they graduated, and I think we lost the championship that year, once they graduated, man, and so I saw Pierre get drafted. When he went six rounds to the Colts, I said, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, you can get drafted out of Division three. I said, wait a minute. And I was – I, t- I turned a different focus on. I made some sacrifices that a lot of people wouldn't make um, as far as just staying down at school, working eight hours, and then after after I worked five days a week, just working out at night. So that was my lifestyle. I would work, work out, and go to sleep. And I'd wake up and do it again. And I loved it. Because in my mind, like I got a chance that many people don't get a chance to. I got a chance to do something that many people don't get a chance to do. And um, going to my red shirt sophomore year in 2008, I, I, when I mean I put the work in, I was, I was putting the work in, almost obsessive, almost obsessive, like, and um, end up working out. That was my, I guess, my breakout year. But I yeah. had to wait, I had to wait three years to be a starter. Like, I don't know in this microwavable world now that these kids would, are, it's tough for anybody to wait to play, right? Right. But it, in today's world, it seems like it's, you know, if I ain't starting as a freshman or playing as a freshman, they're like, I'm going to get in the transfer portal, whatever the case may be. In some sure. situations, you just got to wait out and earn it, dog. Like, you just got to you gotta grind through it and figure it out. Everything's not going to come to you fast. So, it was a lot of lessons in that, man. Now, like, I know this is probably a stupid question or a silly question, but, like, you know, as an athlete, you know, working to be elite, you know, any competitor like yourself coming from high school, you know, you said you, in your mind, you're the next Michael Vick. You're the next – you said so yourself. Uh, now, is it is it like single events that are able to switch your mental fo- to like w- when you ha- like when you had to switch when they try tried talking you into switching to receiver? Is it like a single event that helps you switch that focus, or do you just is it more of like looking deep within yourself? Like, I, I guess I'm wondering about more of like the the mentality that you have because like were you were you out there like when you when you said okay fine I'll switch to receiver? Were you like this? 
this sucks, this bullshit. Or were you like, you're just, you're pretty open-minded to it. Like what's, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, like what's, how do you, how do you work on the mental part of that uh, mental part of that? You know, for me, um, I'm thinking about your question. Cause you were like, was it something that happened? Um, I, to be honest, I was, I was pissed off about the move. Right. But I'm like, this is going to be my way to get on the field. So why not, why not do it? So I started to really take heed and learn, but okay. I wasn't good. I wasn't that good. So I had to be self-motivated to like, hey, you got to put the work in to be decent. Because <laughs> yeah. it was just different playing receiver. I, from a quarterback standpoint, I knew where I needed to be. But to mm-hmm. get there from a receiver standpoint is different than looking at it from a quarterback standpoint. Okay. So for me, I'm like, all right, I got to figure out how to, how to really run routes and how to do this. And then when Pierre Garçon got drafted, that changed my whole mindset. I'm like, no, nah, that's it right there. And it's weird because... <laughs> Because people saw it before I did, right? And it's good to have good people around you and coaches. Like I said, my dad saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. And that's what you want from coaches. They saw in me something I didn't see in myself. I'm like, I don't want to be a receiver. (laughs) I don't. But they knew, they saw something in me. And they were like, listen, you're going to be a receiver and you're going to be very good at it. Just let's put the work in. So they took their time out. So I think it's a few things. You got to be self-motivated. And you got to have people around you that's pushing you. Mm-hmm. But you got to be self-motivated. Like, you can't depend on others to motivate you. Like, I didn't need nobody up and tell me to wake up at 5 in the morning and go around. Go wake up in the morning and go to yeah. class or wake up in the morning and go work out. Whatever the case may be. I was motivated to do that myself. I wanted to be the best I could be for my team and, you know, for personal reasons as well. So, to answer your question, it's, it's a multitude of things, but you got to be self-motivated, man. Yeah, well, the motivation worked because, uh, like you said, your breakout year – uh, one of the great years in the history, maybe maybe the great year in the history of Division Three college football. Uh, you're just over there setting records uh, at Mountain Union your first year. What'd you go, like 77 catches, almost 1,500 yards, 23 freaking touchdowns your mm-hmm. first year as a wide receiver. And, and you guys walk away with the national championship. Uh, so uh, this is a similar question, but I kind of want to know this. What's a year like that like? Where, where, where all that work that you've put in, you talk about the sacrifices. And, and to me, that just sounds like a college kid that's just has something in him, whether he learned it from his dad or whether he just has this desire to not be a normal college kid, to not be like some dumb idiot like I was in college and just was like, I just want to drink with my friends. Uh, you put all that work in and then you just have this year that it's just this immaculate year you win you're dominating everybody you win the national championship what's that like to go through that it was surreal because it was like you finally my freshman year got hurt my red shirt freshman year you know you're on the bench you're barely playing and then now you're a big time contributor and like I remember my first game that year and I ended up having like 100 yards and two touchdowns I'm like oh I got this. <laughs> like, I, you know what I mean? It, it, you can, I felt the work pay off in the very first game. And I don't think, like, I watched the last dance with Michael Jordan, and I, I think LeBron's the greatest. I'm just yeah. being honest. I think LeBron's the greatest. Jordan is awesome, but I think LeBron's the greatest. But I'm watching the last dance, and the mentality that Jordan had in college, I kind of had the same thing. Like, as far I wasn't a butthole. But as far as... <laughs> 
<laughs> that's our first butthole like, that's been said on this show. <laughs> as far as like not trying, as trying to be the best I could be and being yeah. and just being obsessed with my craft, I'll be walking to class and, and imitating that these people are defenders, right? They're running routes in Walmart or doing just doing stuff to be repetitive. Like the best way I learn is by doing it. So I will just go through it in my mind over and over again. I'll go through it on the yeah. practice field over and over again and walking to class or doing whatever. I'll just run different routes and I get teased for it so much. But it oh, feels yeah. so good to see, you know, to reap what you've been working for, to reap what you've been sowing. You know what I mean? So yeah. that, that first breakout year and then in the championship game had to have two touchdowns. That's our only yeah. ESPN game. That's our only game on ESPN. Boom. So everybody, we like, hey, we got to, we got to show out. We got to. <laughs> this is the only time we can be on national TV, and to have two touchdowns in that game and help our yeah. team win, man, it was, it was huge, man. And just to be on a team like that, our, our leadership was crazy from our head coach on down. Like it was, and it's weird because at Mount Union, if you don't win it all, you don't get nothing. Right. So right. we won, the, we won the conference the last twenty four years, twenty six years. If we don't win, when we never get conference ranks. If we don't win the national title, you don't get anything. So if you win the national title, then you get a ring. If you don't, then it's whatever. Get back in the weight room earlier than what we supposed to. <laughs> and that's, that's the expectation at Mount Union every year. Is, is, is championship or bust? We just look over those stores. Yeah, I'm just picturing you in Walmart being like Darnell Jefferson from the program, just carrying the football around. <laughs> <laughs> Having people try to strip the ball from you. And like, <laughs> No, like, dead serious, though. I would be... Dang, I wish, I wish my friends would was on here. I I would be walking in Walmart and then just like a hard stick this way, just <laughs> just do that spin move. No, dead still. I just in my head, I'm doing stuff. I'm like, I'm like a, a six year old imagining, like just going through yeah. things in my head. And then at night when I would go to sleep, I'll think about, especially the night before the game. I'm like, let me just take about thirty minutes to think about the different routes I have, different coverages I'll see, and let me just go through the game in my head and what might happen. And I mean that stuff pays off, man. Oh my gosh, it it, it felt so good. But I, I look I look dead crazy in, in Walmart. Yeah, there's Walmart, the Walmart, Walmart reader. Like, uh, sir, can you put the potato down? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you doing this? Sir, leave our produce alone. You're jumping over people trying to grab groceries like you're jumping over defender. Like, like I would go oh, to yeah. random. I would go to random people and just juke them. Just bah, bah, and get some and poor old think, And I'm in broken I'm in, ankles, I'm in socks and slides, and they they think I'm crazy. Like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. <laughs> So you, so you obviously you you stormed through your career at Mount Union. You finished with like a million catches, like almost five thousand yards, sixty three touchdowns, and basically what amounts to three full time years. And again, at at Mount Union, uh, one thing that doesn't happen, and so you you you're able to compile those stats is uh, it's uh, it doesn't really happen. Not a lot of players get drafted out of Mount Union, anyways, uh, but certainly not early. Uh, you kind of have to complete a career there. So you finish as just one of the great all-time offensive players, Division Three, certainly in Mount Union history. You uh, you won D three uh, Offensive Player of the Year, a two-time All-American. Uh, so you brought up your coach before, and he's a legend, Larry Karras. Uh, uh, so you know, before we kind of get into your next phase, just talk a little bit about Larry Karras, uh, what he meant to you as a coach, how you perceived him as a player, and then do you still kind of maintain a relationship? Yeah. So. When I mean he's legendary, I think he coached 27 years and had like 27 losses. Like his his stats are ridiculous. He just got inducted to the College Football yeah. Hall of Fame. 
He's the his winning percentage is the best of all time of any coach in any division. Um, football wise, he simply whatever his personnel would do. So whatever we did good, we did that. It was it was that simple. That was his philosophy. What you do good, we're gonna do what you do good. What you, we're gonna do what you do good, and the other things we'll work on and we'll get better as the year goes on, and then we'll make a complete you know a complete you. But it was it was outstanding what he would do for us. And it, it wasn't easy for him. I mean, you got 300 guys on your football team, and you're trying to figure out who can play, who can't play, um, and you got to keep this culture up. You know what I mean? And so many guys come in from out of state, and they'll quit, they'll give up. But he was a guy that truly, for me, he loved me. He saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. He pushed me, um, him and his whole coaching staff. I mean, he is a guy that, to this day, I keep in contact with. He always want to talk about my kids, the family, he just he just a, a really genuine, authentic, gen, authentic guy, and I, I appreciate him. He helped me develop as a man. Um, he is just uh, for me. He's one of the reasons I became successful in football. He's he saw something. I keep saying he saw something in me, and he came to my track meets in school. Him and Coach Candle, Jason Candle. So Jason Candle's the head coach at Toledo now. Yeah. When I was in school, he was the offensive coordinator for two years and then he left me and I was still mad he left me. <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted to be the receiver coach at Toledo. So Jason, I'm, I'm still mad you coach. Still Cameron. mad. But, um, and if you know anything about Mount Union, as far as coaching, they're all around the nation. You got coaches at Ohio State, Alex Grinch, or Alex Grinch maybe is at uh, Oklahoma. Even his corner at Oklahoma, maybe he's somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you got, um, you got this head coach, the Iowa State head coach, uh, Matt Campbell, he's yep. a Mount Union grad. It's just so many Mount Union grads in the NFL and, and big-time college programs. It's amazing, but it all stems from Larry Karras, how he pours into his guys. He builds them up. He makes sure he's, they, they're taken care of. He does a great job of mentoring us, man. So I, I can't thank him enough for all he's done for me, man. Now, do you follow along? Like, do you know, like, uh, there's uh, a Karras is not the head coach at Mount anymore. Right. I don't know if that bloodline has stopped. Or because I know yeah. it's Jeff Dunn, but I don't know if there's any more Karras's in the in, in, in on the staff to to, to come up. Uh, do, do we well, know? Well, technically, uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Dart is family because he married oh. Larry Karras's daughter. Boom. Ah. So no, if you do that, you should have to take her last name. <laughs> yeah. Like go. that's Larry Karras's daughter, so you're a Karras. There you now. go. <laughs> so, um, but so, yeah, so he married into the family. But there's there's no other cares on on staff there. Um, yeah. you know, I keep up with everything. I talk to a, a lot of guys I play with are coaches now with with Mount Union. So okay. I keep up with everything going on. So there's no more cares on staff. And uh, Vince cares his son, I believe, is the defensive coordinator at Toledo now. So they're yeah. all moving up, man. It's 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 awesome the the platform he he leaves for his younger younger coaches and how he wants the wants the best for him. I mean, it was multiple times. That you know, Coach Kears could have left us. You know what I mean? Before I was there, he could have left and went to you know, pretty sure a small D one somewhere or Division two, wherever yeah. he wanted to do. But he stayed. He made a le- he made a legacy, and he is legendary, man. So I'm I'm thankful. So he could have left, but th- that does bring up one other question. You're dropping these crazy years uh, yeah. as you finally get your full time. Do you get? Do you start getting offers? Do do big programs start looking at you and calling you and say, Hey, do you want to do that in Ohio State or Oklahoma or or, or is it just like, yeah, leave me alone. I'm at Mount Union. No, I ain't. I haven't talked to no Division One. Like when I was in school, it was just like even know. after you're putting up 
mm-mm. Like, I'm putting up video game numbers. And because I think next year, the following year, I put up 1,700 yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You had more yards <laughs> and, the next year. And it's what's crazy is so I almost left and went to Toledo because my receiver coach went to Toledo. So okay. I'm like, yo, let, let me come with you. Like, I'm not trying to be here. And he's <laughs> like, nah, you need to stay. Something special is going to happen here for you. Just, just stay wow. and dominate. You know what I mean? My dad always said, like, no matter what, like, if your goal is the NFL, and I wasn't thinking about the NFL at the time. I was just trying to be the best I could be here, right? That that dream didn't come until, like, my senior year. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we'll get to that later. But yeah, um, I'm just trying to be the best I could be where I was at. So he was like, no, nah, things are going to work out here for you. Just just stay. If you want to come, I'd love to take you. But, you know, I got to sit out a year and do all this stuff and kind of earn my spot back up and everything where I, I was already solidified at Mount. So, um yeah, I never got the opportunity to leave, but I did think about it once or twice. So now, I mean, we talked, you know, NFL wasn't even thought till your senior year. What, uh, you know, let's transition into that. You end up being the highest drafted person ever out of Mount Union, fourth round pick to Jacksonville. When did that actually start to become a reality for you? Like, I mean, were scouts talking to you senior year? I mean, I mean did you have a, a pro day or, or when did that become a real possibility? It was, it was a a surreal process. So at the end of my junior year, that was my fourth year in school. I could have left me. I could have left for the draft then. And I had a few agents get in contact with me, but it wasn't nothing serious. I'm like, whatever, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to come back for my fifth year, try to win a championship. When you're like, when I was in, we were at the V3, D3, you play for the love of the game. Like you, you, sure. you play, you play for your brothers on the team. Like we were just trying to win championships. And enjoy enjoy college that you guys know. <laughs> oh, oh, <yeah>. So, <laughs> so my going into my after my junior year we lost. Going into my senior year, it was like every other day agents were calling me, and I'm like, this wow. is getting crazy. And then wow. scouts start coming to the school and calling Coach Cares, and I'm like, yo, yo, and, and Coach Cares brought me to his office like, yo, so this is getting real. <laughs> Let's make sure we're on our P's and Q's, boom, 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 boom. But it got right. real because the, of the success of Pierre Garçon. So Pierre started really taking off his second year in the league with Peyton Manning. Yes. Okay. And yeah. I think his second year he had close to 800 yards. And I think they second or third year they, they go into the Super Bowl and they lose to the Saints. And when he started having success, the NFL is a copycat league. So they're like, okay, who's this Pierre cat? Where'd he come from? Let's go find the next Pierre. Yep. And I just happened to be doing really well. And um, end up like so. Long story short, every day that summer, not every day, probably at least every week, two or three agents would hit me up. So my wow. dad was like, "Hey, let give tell all the agents to talk to me." So every agent I call, I talk to, be a Facebook text call, whatever, I'll send to my dad, and my dad would meet with them. My dad put together a team of like ten people he trusted. Right, eight to ten people he trusted, and he met with probably 35, 45 agents. Wow! And they were, all, and he made them all fly to the house. I'm like, if you're serious about my son, you will fly to my house and meet, you know, meet my meet my my team of people I have. So all sure. of them flew in, and my dad was drilling them. Like <laughs> my mom, dad, uncle, pastor, former coaches, all type. They were just drilling them. Yeah. So. My dad met with about, like I said, 35, 40, and he, he, they, they picked a solid three, and then I chose from the three. So I met with the three, like, at the end of my senior year, yeah. going into the playoffs, um, which actually, it was crazy. So my senior year, my goal was to not get tackled. 
I had silly, I had silly goals, right? <laughs> because I was like, to my dad said, if you want to make it, you got to dominate. You can't just be good. You can't just yeah. be all conference. You can't just be all American. You got to like dominate your level to prove you don't belong at this level. So my mindset is, how can I dominate? So I'm thinking, if I don't get 100 yards and two touchdowns every game, I'm not proving, I'm not proving that to myself. Then that yeah. was just lofty goals, right? And some games I did it, some games I did. But I'm, I'm not getting tackled. That's my goal. If I get 200 pounds, I'm not getting tackled. Of course I got tackled, right? That's just part, <laughs> of, the That's part of the game. But going to that year, it was – it was my senior year was so – beginning part was so crazy. I was so prepared. It was, it was almost too easy. Like, I'm like, I know I don't belong here. Let's just keep proving it. Right. So, my halfway through – not even halfway. I think it was October. I ended up on a punt return getting turf toe and missing like a month, yeah. of, month of ball. My grandfather, who was a professional boxer, he, his dementia started getting really bad. Yeah. And then my girlfriend at the time, who was now my wife, is pregnant with my first son. Oh, jeez. So all this happens my senior year, and I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to go. What oh, my gosh. What the heck is going on? Um, so <laughs> that was the I world. Up, that was the world increasing your difficulty setting, like in oh Madden. Like you were uneasy, and they had to take you up to, like, all pro. They, they had to. So it was, it was like, what the heck I'm going to do? I'm missing – uh, I think I missed a month. And turf toe is something that's not going to go away. It gets better, but it's not going to go away. So I came back as fast as I could, and we playing, we playing ball and Wallace, and they're like uh, 7-0 or 8-0 or 7-1, and and I'm like – and we're like uh, undefeated at the time. And uh, – <laughs> You to think about that. Of course, Mount is I got a funny story about ball and Wallace. I'll, I'll tell you guys later. So um, <laughs> we're playing, and I'm, I'm in so much pain. But the agent, one of the agents came to the game. And he, I was supposed to meet with him after the game. This is my first ever meeting with, the, with agents. And long story short, we ended up winning. I had a really good game. Took the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. Had three, three receiving touchdowns. So I meet with him after the game. And it, that's when it hit me like, yo, you about, you about to get a real shot. Like, I seen scouts at practice. I seen these people talk to me. I talked to, talk to all these guys. But when the agent from California came, named Chase, Chase Callahan with Rep One Sports, they represent uh, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. all these people. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, y'all really want me? <laughs> like, it, it, hit, it hit me right then. I'm like, okay. You know, I know you don't feel the best, but let's, let's get this together. Like, let's get this together and finish on a good note. And uh, we didn't win a championship that year, but it, it, was, a, it was a good run. Well, you missed, you missed what, three games, and you still finished as a first-team All-American your senior year? So, uh, yeah, pretty good. Uh, no big deal. Hey, real quick, real quick. Real oh, quick, yeah, Baldwin Wallace. Quick story about Baldwin Wallace. So, my junior year, um, or maybe it was my senior year. I think it was my senior year. My offensive lineman pulled a prank on me. So, what they did was they, you know, film study, you get like, uh, you know, you get, a, you get a book or some paper of all the players on the opposite team, their name, what school, height, weight, all that good stuff. So what they did was they texted me from a random number and said they were a guy named Pete Taylor, who was a cornerback in Baldwin Wallace. And he started, and they were talking trash to me the whole week. <laughs> Like, literally, like, trash the whole week. Like, they talking about my girlfriend. They talking about, oh, I'm soft. I'm sorry. All this stuff. And I'm going back. I'm falling for it. I have no clue. He hits me up on Facebook. is talking trash. He's texting me talking trash. When I mean I was so focused for this game, 
And it was my senior year because I would come back from injury, and they were like, we're trying to help you get focused. I was so focused for that game. I was so ready. I go into the game, and I'm cussing Pete out every single play. Cussing him out. I'm trying to throw him to the ground. I'm doing all this stuff every single play. I'm going off. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, what's wrong with you, Sick? We were friends. Well, yeah. we, we, were, we, were, we knew each other, so we were cool. He's like, what's wrong with you, Sick? I'm like, you know what you did. You know what you did. I'm, I'm pissed. Pissed. <laughs> and I'm and he's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm like, you know what you did. And I'm cussing, <laughs> I'm going off, right? After the game, two linemen and Sammy Guerrero and I forgot the other guy's name. They told me that oh, it was no. them pranking me the whole time. I felt so bad for Pete. <laughs> oh, I mean, no. I gave him the hardest time that day. I'm not the best blocker. <laughs> But I tried my butt off that day. I'm throwing punches. I'm trying to slam them to the ground. I'm doing everything. On top of that, I'm giving them work. I gave them three touchdowns that day. I'm giving them work. <laughs> but I felt so bad. I'm like, oh. You told us before that besides your dad, Jack Del Rio is the only coach that ever made you cry. Somewhere Pete Taylor is like, Cecil Shorts <laughs> is the only player that ever made me cry on a football field. <laughs> He's know, the only I, one that got me. I feel so bad because he was like, I really, I what are you talking about, see? And I'm coming at him every play, every play. I'm going at him and I'm hype. I'm excited. I'm like, all right, you got he gonna you gonna you gonna get this work today. And he goes it, in after the he goes bad, in and just lays his jersey on the coach's desk, like, I don't need this shit. It was bad. I'm like, I didn't I didn't try this hard all year. And my fourth <laughs> year, <laughs> this is terrible. Oh, I feel so bad. I, I think I apologized to him after that, like, yo, after I figured out what was going on. And they made the biggest joke out of it. They thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I'm like, y'all some real buttholes, man. <laughs> well, little do you know, Cecil, we have Pete Taylor waiting <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, my bad, Pete. My bad. Oh, I love Pete. My bad. <laughs> you know, the famous Cecil Shorts, Pete Taylor feud. <laughs> Golly. That was so bad, man. I fell for it so bad. Like all week, they were they were texting oh me and Facebook God. messaging me, and I'm like, I can't believe like who talks junk like this. I'm like, right. uh, okay, right, right. Sorry, side story. Yeah. <laughs> so then, so so talk to us. Uh, you know your whole prep, you're working. You know you're you know you know you're getting the attention from the NFL. Uh, but again, even even still with your. Uh, you know, with your pedigree and with your success at Mount, I mean, you don't see a lot of guys from Mount. You you've seen success at Mount. I mean, obviously, just the the premier program and basically in Division Three, or else at least it was for the longest time. Yeah. Uh, so, what's what's the draft draft day, draft night, day two? What what's all that like for you? It was, uh, man. So I actually trained in California. Um. And then getting ready for the combine. So I actually got to participate in the combine, which is fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't fun. It was fun moments. So I got <laughs> a bunch of free gear. We got, D3, we got D3, you don't get free gear, right? You get one pair of cleats, one pair of gloves. That's it. So I got a bunch of free gear from Under Armour, Adidas, Nike. It was awesome. Yeah. Got to meet like Cam Newton and uh, hey, who was a quarterback at Alabama at the time? It was... Uh, uh, Greg, Greg McElroy, maybe. Greg, Greg, Greg McElroy? Mac yeah, Greg, Greg. So yeah. me and Greg having full fledged conversations like we know each other, 
in the cafeteria. It was like the coolest thing for me because when you're at a D3 school, and maybe you, you played at Ashland, so maybe you can relate to this. After you play your game, you go watch the D1 games at later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we were cheering for Ohio State and right. all the Florida yeah. boys I hung out with, they were cheering for all the Florida schools to go back and forth. So when I saw Cam Newton and Greg and these guys, I'm like, yo, what's up? <laughs> I was a fan. I was a fan. And I had to like, yeah. yo, focus, focus. Like, you belong here. There's not too many Division Three guys around. You know what I mean? So that went cool. Um, I had my own pro day at Mount Union. That went well. But draft day, um, we were hearing the highest that my agent was hearing was second round. And he was like, you probably, he's like, not going second round. Let's just be hopeful. We want you to go the highest you can, but you're probably not going second round, right? You're, yeah. you're a four through seven guy. And, let, and let's just be honest. Now, I love that about it. He kept it real with me. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so second round, so how's it go? Day one is just round one. Yep. Day two is round two and three. So I'm yep. hoping the more receivers that get off the board is better for me, right? Right. So I'm, I, I apologize. My son's. Running around here. That's all good. Oh, we know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, maybe we do. So the more receivers that go off the board is better for me, right? I think I was like the 30th ranked, 25th ranked receiver coming out that year. So my dad had this chart, and he ranked. He had all the receivers written down on this on this chart. On this chart. <laughs> and every time somebody got drafted, he would scratch them off. Like, all right, good. Good. That's like Julio Jones, A.J. Green, right. Kendall Cobb, Torrey Smith, uh, Jonathan Baldwin went first round that year. Uh, drafted to Kansas City Chiefs out of Pitt. Now, he ended yeah. up being a bust, but that's just a funny story. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, I'll tell you about that later. Anyway, sorry, I'm doing random. So my dad's checking all these guys off. So second and third round come, no love. I'm like, I was kind of down about it. So I'll go hang out with my friends that night, just take my mind off of it. And uh, we go back the next day at my dad's house, and there's tons of people. There was tons of people there Friday night. So Saturday night is, is less, but there's still tons of people there. And uh, my agent hits me up like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen today. It seems like it's not a lot of traction about your name, blah, blah, blah. We might be sliding down to six, seven round. And my heart dropped like, okay, whatever. Ten minutes later, I get a phone call from Jacksonville. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, what's going on? <laughs> and they're like, hey, uh, this is so-and-so and so-and-so from Jacksonville to stay on the phone. I'm like, all right, cool. So it's like 30 seconds. I'm just me on the phone with nobody. I'm like, somebody's playing around on the phone. Like, yeah, it's your any, offensive any... lineman again. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> so I'm like, whatever. And then, then Jack Del Rio hops on. Hey, Sixo, how you doing? Jack Del Rio, head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hey, we're going to select you to stay on the line, okay? And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Hey, this is about to go. Big smile on my face having And my dad looks at me like, uh-oh. He stands up like, wait, wait, what's about to happen? <laughs> And then um, the call always comes before the announcement on TV, right? So right. I'm getting the call. They're talking and like, are you excited? And I'm like, yes, I'm very excited to be part of the Jaguar, whatever, franchise. The house goes no, nuts. No, like, no, the house this goes crazy. I know, right? You know, I know. Trade me. <laughs> I heard this other guy was pretty good. <laughs> Man, house goes nuts. Family, you ever heard of Pete Taylor? Crying. It was it was awesome. You ever heard of Pete? 
Pete? You ever heard of Pete? Guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. That, if that if that would have been Pete, I'd have been so mad. <laughs> I mean, truly though, that would have been the ultimate full circle. Yeah, he just gets drafted bad. one spot ahead of you. Oh man, Golly. Uh, oh, that's 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 awesome though, dude. House goes nuts. Yeah, I mean, house, house goes I, nuts. like you can't care. I don't know. You can't care, right? Like, I don't know. We're from Cleveland, right? Yeah. So the perpetual feeling is nobody ever wants to come play for for Cleveland in any sport, yeah. In, yeah. for any team ever. And so we we get the reports every year that so and so might not want to go. You know, when when we had the number one pick at the year they took Baker, and it was like, mm, uh so-and-so said they might not want to come play here and Sam Donald maybe doesn't want to go play there. Like, dude, like you're getting drafted in the, like who cares? Right. Don't you just want to go play in the NFL? That was my mindset. I'm like, I don't care where I go. I just want to, I just want a chance. Just give me a shot. I'll go play and you know, whatever. And I'll play street ball. Just give me a shot. Every team writes big checks. Absolutely. They all, they all got write big checks. They all, they all, they all, they all billionaires. So they, they got the bread to, to hand yeah. it out. Give, give me mine. <laughs> yeah. So, so you go to Jacksonville, fourth round pick. Um, yeah. Uh, what's that first kind of that, that first experience with the Jags like? You know, was, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, kind of where are you at uh, going into training camp? What are they, what are they telling you about kind of what they're expecting of you? Uh, and, and just, uh, and just your mentality, you know, meeting your teammates for the first time and being from a real small school and, uh, and, and did they know you when you showed up? So everybody pays attention to the draft, whether they admit it or not, all players watch the draft, um, either for either you're scared or nervous about somebody taking your spot. Or you just yeah. enjoy you just enjoy the draft. You want to keep up with your team. Like, okay, how are we going to improve the team? You, you pay attention to what's going on. So all the guys knew who I who I was from the draft. I didn't certainly knew who I was, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, but right. that the year I was drafted, that was a lockout year. So after I got off the phone, um, I went back to my apartment in, in Alliance, and I celebrated for a little bit. So with the family, went back home to Alliance, Ohio. That's where Mount Union is. You got to yep. know that. And then um, I had to start my new job at working on roofs um, that Monday. So I was <laughs> I was working on as I got drafted fourth round. And I had to work on roofs because it was a lockout year. I had to I had to make some. So it was it was it was crazy. So I didn't know the because normally you get drafted the following week. You go, you know, you go to the or maybe you, you fly down there. You meet you know meet everything and see what you're going to uh, see the facility and everything. And then the following week you start rookie mini camp and all that good stuff and then OTAs. I got none of that. Um, I literally started working on roofs for about a month. So I'm working. I'm working out just like in college. My girlfriend's pregnant. We end up having our baby uh, May 23rd. Um, so he's here. I'm just working, trying to provide for them. And then, uh, <laughs> Happy birthday to your kid. Right? Oh, you just had a yeah. birthday a couple days ago. Yeah. Yeah. My kids, I have a three year old. It's his birthday today. So. Oh, okay. Happy birthday to him. Yeah. Or her. Yeah. It's a boy. Yep. Oh, it's him. So awesome. Yeah, a little side story. Whoever said two was worse than three is full of shit. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> Listen, I got, I got, I got seven kids. Ain't yeah. nothing worse than seven. <laughs> I told Mike before it got going on, I was going to give you shit. I'm like, are you trying to go full Cromartie on us, man? Like what? <laughs> no, see, like, no, no offense to Cromartie. 
All my all my all my babies came from I one woman. <laughs> <laughs> all my babies came from my wife. One woman. No offense to anybody. I'm just saying. <laughs> we not we ain't you know we ain't hopping around like that. Secondly, I blame my wife. I blame my wife. It's not my fault. She trapped me. We have four. <laughs> we have four. Boy, girl, boy, girl. Perfect. You did it. It's perfect. Two boys, two girls. It's perfect. She like, I want to try for one more. I'm like, uh, we, we good. You can take two. I can take two. I can take the boys. You can take the girls. We can switch it. We can, you know, you know, one of each week. We're perfect. Listen, honey, the NFL only play, pays so much. I'm trying <laughs> to have all these kids. Next thing you know, you know, long story short, we had, we had some fun. She trapped me. And um, <laughs> instead of having one child, we had three. We oh. had triplets. Yeah. Triplets, all girls, all girls. Oh, all girls. Okay, two things. Two things. First off, uh, I, I'll give you a fair comparison. Okay, you're you're Philip Rivers. Okay, you're just too shy of Philip Rivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you go. got a lot of kids. <laughs> uh, uh, secondly, did you did you know like like I have a like I have a friend who lives in Columbus who you know they had twins but they were expecting one like did you know that you were having triplets or did you like find out in like the delivery room that it was like oh here's three more <laughs> so we we found out as the you know the appointments went along so the first yeah. appointment oh uh no pregnancy says i were pregnant okay cool um we go to our first appointment i'm actually in miami with the boys we hanging out it's like a men's the men's trip we hanging out having a good time my wife facetime me I'm like hey how the appointment go and she shows me the ultrasound. And I'm oh, like, babe, no. why is it like it's two heads on there? Why is it two <laughs> heads? And she just go back smiling. Like, We're having twins. And I'm like, oh, oh hell no. Nah. I went for a walk. <laughs> I left my phone. I went for a walk. And then um, we go back to another appointment three weeks later. And the ultrasound, it's an in-depth ultrasound. Yeah. And uh, she's, she's going. She's like, okay, there goes baby A. There goes baby B, and I start daydreaming. I'm thinking about work or whatever's going on. I'm just daydreaming. And she said, okay, there goes baby C. All three babies are here. And I said, wait a second. Time out. Flag on the play. Like, what? Wait, wait. Wait. Three babies? She's like, oh, you know you're having triplets? I'm like, no, we didn't know we were having triplets. No. So I went for a walk, and I prayed, and I'm like, Lord, please help me. I don't know what I'm going to do, <laughs> let alone three girls. Yeah, good news. They're all girls. All girls. Yes. So five girls, two boys. That's going to be fun teenage years right there, my ooh, friend. Ooh, it's going to be crazy. I, I still remember, uh, like, our first ultrasound. I only have one. Uh, I remember our first ultrasound, and the doctor's looking around. It's, you know, it's like the real basic one. Doctor's yeah. looking around in there. She's like, all right, there's that. There's the heartbeat. And let me just keep looking around in here. And I was like, uh, what, what, uh, what are you looking for? <laughs> like, making sure there's no other ones. I was, I was watching like real intently, like, no, no, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 uh, no yeah. more, no more, no more. <laughs> oh yeah. It was crazy, man. Yeah. That's what happened to my buddy in the delivery room. I guess they, they the whole time they were only expecting one. So one came out and they're like, Oh, she's not done. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. My buddy, and my buddy, I, according to him, he said he just turned like right, just did one of, like he just. <laughs> oh, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. That that's that's a shocker right there, brother. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All right, so back to football because I can't even. I can't even. 
we're going to have more. And I don't want to be putting this on myself. I don't want this bad juju on myself. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're going to maybe try to have another one and that's cool. Uh, So back to the NFL. Um, uh, So now you're in Jacksonville. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, You know, you talked a little about your first experience, which is so crazy. You're out there laying, you're doing roofing after you get like a week after you're drafted is so crazy. Uh, uh, But it is the reality for, you know, not, it's reality for a lot. I think a lot of us just watch like what happens with like a first round pick. Yeah. And you know, they, you get flown in and you're doing it, but you know, there's fifth, sixth, seventh round guys. And you know, a lot of people that have to work, they got to make their money. You know, it's not like, it's not like instant paycheck right off the bat. So, uh, uh, so you go in, you get your first camp. Um, just talk to us a little bit. What's what's it like when you know, finally, when you know you're going to play, what's it like running out of that tunnel for that first game? When you know, like, all right, man, here I am. Cecil shorts, the third uh, shorts, the third on the back of my, on the back of my Jersey. And, and I'm going to be out there full time for this team uh, going at it in the NFL. How different is it from Mount? Like, cause you're talking like D three guys that go to like Ohio state say, Oh my God, it's just a totally different speed. But like yeah. Mount Union to the NFL, what's that like? It was like, um, I, I can't even explain it. I was out there like, what is going on? Like what in the world? <laughs> what? I was out there. I was out there in awe at times my rookie year. Yeah. I was out there. Um, I, my very first regular season game, I cried. I'm like, this is amazing. Like National yeah. Anthem came. You know, it's 60,000 people there. You know, I played in front of 5,000. Yeah. 6,000. Um, so opening day is like 65,000 people there. All these all these fireworks and everything. Boom. I'm just I'm like, we did it. We did it. So it was an amazing feeling. Um, preseason is different than regular season. Preseason, I was balling my rookie year. I mean, I got player of the game like two two times. Um, I'm like, you know, I got this. I scored one one or two touchdowns. I'm like, oh, I got this. Oh no! And then regular season comes, and I ain't get a catch to like week fourteen. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> week fourteen, I got my planning on like thirty touchdowns. I'm like, golly! And then it was it was tough playing for a losing franchise. Yeah, like it was, you know, you get spoiled that mount. In college, you win all the time, and that's like the culture. And then in Jacksonville, I think I had two owners, three head coaches, three offensive coordinators in my four years there. So, like, there's no stability, always turnover or whatever. But my rookie year was the hardest because, um, like I said, preseason to regular season is total different speed. And then I didn't know how to be a pro, to be honest. I didn't know how to speak plays. I didn't know how to – you know, if it's if it's third down and three, and I got to run a slant, and the DB is already inside of me running my slant, we're getting ready to run the slant with me or jam me. I didn't know how to get open. You know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I just had to learn, and it, it took a, it, it was harder for me because I'm like, yo, I I didn't see I didn't see this at Division three. Everybody was scared of me in Division three. Now here right. they don't they don't care. They're like, well, whatever. You know what I mean? Who who are you? So I had to learn. I had to learn, and then um, that rookie year was like rough. Like I said, I didn't get my first catch until week fourteen. And the papers there, they were like, "Who is this guy? He's terrible." I wasn't doing well on punt returns. I'm like, "This is just bad." So 
My first ever touchdown, though, came on Monday night, my rookie year. Boom. Monday night versus Quentin Jammer and the San Diego, San mm-hmm. Diego Chargers. Okay. So it was right. That's a right there. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. cool, man. And it's funny because so I, me and Blaine Gabbert came in together. And yep. uh, they, 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 ruined, they almost ruined his career. I, I can talk about that all day. But um, it's this play on the goal line. And we never throw it to the outside person. We never throw it to the outside person. Of course, Blaine gets it and just throws it up. Thank goodness I ran the route, right? Ooh, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a simple fade route. We're like on a six-yard line, simple fade route. I'm just getting out the way for the other two guys to get open. So I get right. off the line and I run and I look up. I'm like, oh, my gosh, the ball's Oh, coming. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh. And I didn't have time to react, so I just jumped up, put my hand up, and I caught it one-handed and I came down and I looked up like, Oh, I scored. Oh, that was my score. Give me some. <laughs> no, like it was like, what the heck's going on? But uh that that was surreal. It was Monday night, all the family and friends saw it, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but that, that rookie year was rough, man. Just the adjustment from division three to the speed is different, the knowledge is different, playbooks are this thick. Yeah. Um, they know everything about you, you know everything about them. It's it's really a mind game. How can you get open versus a, a 10, 11, 12-year vet that's been there, that knows everything about you, that knows your tendencies as an offense. So it was it was a lot of in-depth stuff that I didn't know how to prepare for. And um, yeah. going into my second year, I had to learn all of that. And that ended up being my best year, my second year. But it was it was a tough rookie year, bro. Yeah, I mean, I know the play call language is, is, is in-depth in college. But, man, you probably got to times that by five in the NFL, I would assume. Man, listen. So we didn't have training. We didn't have we didn't have OTA right. mini camp. None of that. So sure. we, when the lockout was over, they literally gave us a playbook like this thick, sure. and said, "Here, you got to learn it." And then you know it's daily installs, but it just it was. I was overwhelmed to be honest. It was a lot. And at that time, I was focused on everything but football. You know, the girls, the whatever. <laughs> I, was, I was focused on. You know, it was a it was a a rough rookie year. I had to learn how to be a pro. To be honest, I had to learn how to be a pro. It is what it is. I had to learn how to be a pro, but it was it was a rough rookie year, but it set me up for my career. I knew how to do things after that, if that made sense. You weren't allowed to have the playbook in uh, during the lockout? You weren't, they weren't allowed to send you the playbook? No contact with them, no playbooks, no nothing. Crazy. So wow. David Garrard was the quarterback there yeah. at the time, and he he called me and Blaine – and flew us down to Jacksonville for a couple of weeks. So we did like some seven on sevens and yeah. just hung out in Jacksonville, whatever. But that was it. That was it. Like it wasn't nothing. It wasn't nothing after that. We just worked out on our own until we got there. And crazy, like when we got there, we had a first team meeting. They were like, listen, they just drafted Blaine Gabbard, like the 10th overall pick or 11th overall pick. And they're like, listen, Blaine Gabbard is our future, but he will not play this year. This is coming from, the, the head coach's mouth and everybody's in there. The owner's in the meeting. Everybody's in the meeting. The GM, everybody. Be like, Blaine Gabbert will not play this year. This will be his red shirt year. And then next year he'll compete. Just because the situation is crazy. We don't want to do this. David Garrard is our quarterback. We love David. He's under contract. We went boom, boom, boom. Well, week three, of pre- week four of preseason, they cut David Garrard. <laughs> Luke McCown, you know, the McCown brothers played forever, yeah. both of them. Luke McCown, who was. Uh, Josh's brother. I think Josh yep. recently retired, but Luke McCown. Well, actually, Josh may be on somebody's staff. Anyways, yeah, I think he's coaching. 
Yeah, I think he is coaching. So Luke McCown, who was who was one of the best athletes I have ever came across. Oh, both of them. My God. Yeah. yeah. And when I mean they are crazy athletic. So Luke, when I when we went down for seven oh sevens in the lockout, Luke would um, Luke took me and Blaine hooping. Blaine has no hoop game. Terrible. <laughs> but Luke, Luke was all state, all everything. So he picks the ball up. He does it between the legs and dunks it right there. Just picks it up and just between the legs and dunks. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? He had like a mini dunk, like crazy athletic, crazy. Yeah, that's what so Josh anyways, was doing when Josh was in. Well, they both used, they both played for Cleveland yeah. at one point, but that's what Josh was doing. Like, there's a video of him doing like this casual 360 dunk over a dude at like the YMCA. It's crazy how athletic they are. Like crazy athletes. So, week one, Luke McCown's our starter. We win the game. Week two. Lou McCown's our starter. We get killed by the Jets. That's when Kermati and Revis were in their prime. Week three, Blaine Gabbers is starter. We have no, we had, we had no good receivers. We had no offensive line. We had, we had MJD, and he yeah. ended up leading the league in rushing that year, like sixteen hundred yards. Maurice Jones drew. Yep. And um, but we rushed Blaine, and we ruined Blaine's career. Man, it was sad. I, I shouldn't say ruined because he's doing good now. He's a, he's doing well as a backup, yeah. right? He comes in and plays well here and there. He's in he's in Tampa Bay now behind the the goat Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, he, there he, could he, be a battle in camp. No, maybe. <laughs> 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 but Blaine 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 can play that backup role forever. He's he's awesome. He got all the arm strength. He's a professional. Yeah. It just they rushed him in that moment. And when, do y'all remember Sam Darnold last year saying, "I see ghosts." Yeah, yeah. That's how Blaine was his rookie year. Like I see, yeah. he was seeing seeing stuff because he got hit so much, and he was the youngest guy. He was the youngest quarterback, like two classes after him. Like, yeah, he was just okay. he was just so 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 young, and it, it kind of ruined his start. And then he started picking up it later. But it was it yeah. was sad. Sorry, right, I got off I got off topic. Sorry. No. So you brought something up before that I think is, uh, you know, again we're we're Cleveland centric. So I think a lot of Cleveland fans would be interested to at least hear your kind of your take on this as a, as a former player, yeah. you talked about having multiple owners, multiple coaches, multiple general managers, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here in Cleveland. That's what, that's what we do is new coach after new GM, after new ownership, after boom, 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 boom. And we got Stefanski and Barry now. And, and like, as a player is, how hard is that? Obviously it's hard to pick up playbooks and stuff, but how frustrating is it? And then, do you ever like, is there a time, is there, I, I always wonder this as a Browns fan, are there times where these players are like, like they fire Freddie Kitchens last year. And to us as the fans and from the media perspective, he was clueless. Uh, he, he made some horrendous decisions, but is there ever a time where you're like, man, we, this guy just needs time. Like he's good. He just needs time. And uh, they're just get rid of him. Like how, how does that whole process go down in the locker room? Yeah. So we, we talked, it's like everybody else talked. Like we like, it's it's times where we were like, hey, this guy stinks, or it's it's times where we're like, yo, you know, I know, because I was in a situation where let me think, my rookie year we had Jack Del Rio, and they were, I think before that like eight and eight, nine and seven, seven and nine for like three or four years, hovering around that five hundred. We started off really bad. By week eight, he was gone. Right, so Mel Tucker who's actually a Cleveland native, I believe. Yep. Um, He was the interim head coach. And we won a game or two with him. We were kind of energized by him. 
but we knew we knew Del Rio was on his way out because he was coming late. He was drunk at practices, all types of Ooh. crazy. Stuff. Oh God! Oh, so we we knew he was on his way out. The next yeah. guy comes in, Mike Malarkey. A lot of veterans didn't like him, but we still had our old. We had a uh, we had our old GM. So the old GM got fired at the end of my second year, and a new GM came in. And once Mike Malarkey went, we went 2-14, and 14, we're like, okay, he's going to be gone because the new GM wants to bring in his guy. Like, that's, that's just what it is. It wasn't fair to Mike because I, I loved Mike's offense. I had 979 yards in that, yeah. <laughs> that year. That was my breakout year. I loved the offense, but I'm like, it's, it's not fair. He only got one year. We just need a chance to play with him and learn with him. But they got rid of him, brought somebody else in. They brought Gus Bradley in. Yeah. And Gus – Gus did his best. We just weren't good. Like, yeah. we just weren't good. Gus, I love Gus. To this day, I, t- I talk to Gus every now and then. He's the deepest coordinator oh, cool. in San Diego now. And actually, okay. his, son's a, his son's a quarterback at Toledo. Um, but oh, cool. he's he's awesome. Awesome person. We would talk basketball. We would argue who's better, Tony Parker or Russell Westbrook, before practice. Like, it was, it was just amazing type of person Gus was. But we just didn't win. And he got a full five years. In my opinion, I think – yeah. It's very hard to win when you're turning over every single year, right? And as yeah. Browns fans, I grew yeah. up with Browns fans. Browns, Ohio State, Indians, Cavs, I'm all Cleveland all the time. That's just what it is, right? When you were having turnover each and every year, when you're in a situation where your players can't trust, cannot trust the franchise, you're in a bad situation. Like, when you have no clue what's going to happen next. So I was talking to a few Browns players. Um, a year ago, and I'm not going to say the names, but they were at a Christmas party. And it was a quarterback and it was a receiver. And the quarterback was telling me, yeah, so uh, I was talking to one of the GMs and he was drunk. And he was telling me how, yeah, I think we're going to start winning. Uh. We're going to try to win. Is this the words you use? We're going to try to win in 2019. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, 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 time out. They said what to you? And he's like, since they hadn't, he had uh-huh. no idea what he was saying. And then when he realized he said it, he kind of walked away. But yeah. they were like, and it was the era of uh, Hugh Jackson. Well, right. So basically, yeah. they weren't necessarily trying to win when he was there. Right. Right. And when you hear things like that, and as a player, you can see things like, yo, they're not trying to. They're trying to right. stockpile uh-huh. picks or they're trying to prepare for the future or whatever the case may be. And it sucks. Yeah. And it's like, what is going on? Like, you know what I mean? What are we really trying to do here? You know what I mean? So it, it's tough, man. I think you got to give a coach a good five years, to be honest. Give a GM a good four to five years. And it might suck for the fans, but you need that time to bring your players in, to build to build that chemistry. I think you need to give them solid time to really prove if he can be or cannot be your head coach and GM. You can't do it year after year. It's just, that's just impossible. And then you you put more pressure on the on the on the players to learn a whole new system, a whole new offensive strategy, defensive strategy. It's just it's just a mess, man. Right. What do you think that has to happen for that to act in today's NFL for that to actually be done? Because it just you know it, it seems like those days of like you know the, given you know the Bill Cowers time, given the Bill Belichick time, it, it just seems like. As the NFL has become such a what have you done for me lately league that it's just you know there's they have no issues with with turning over uh, the front office the coaching staff in I don't know two years three years like what's what what do you think 
Is it still possible? I, I mean, it's possible because, I mean, you look at Bill. I mean, obviously Bill Belichick because he's been winning, right? But you look at some of the good franchises, some of the yeah. the franchises that's been around, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I hate to say it. Yeah. You know, they, they do an awesome job over there running their franchise. You know what I mean? If you look at the the Green Bay Packers, yeah. or you look at the uh, – I don't like they Jerry Jones. It. Look at Jerry Jones. Yeah. He, he keeps – he probably kept uh, Jason Garrett too long. But, I mean, I commend him for it. You know what I mean? So, you can do it, and it's possible. But I think in today's society, is so – Win now, win now, win now. And that's not reality. That's not yeah. reality. Everybody can't win right now. That's not, that's not like, that's not realistic. You have to build. You know what I mean? If you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I hate to say it, but to me, they're one of the best franchises to look at and to model, model after. Well, that's why I think Browns fans at first got excited when Jimmy Haslam bought the team because he was a minority stake owner with Pittsburgh. And it was like, cool, maybe he learned a little bit from how they do things because even though we hate them, like, with every ounce of what we are, uh, they do run things right. And they do things for the most part Absolutely. the right way. Uh, but then he came over here and it was, it was, it's like, did you forget your time at Pittsburgh? Like, did you watch anything that happened over there? Like, and I think, I think too, a lot of the owners try to do too much. Like let your football staff do what they do. Right. Let them do right. what they do. You are not. Everybody is not Jerry Jones. You yeah. don't need to have that spotlight. It's awesome. You're a billionaire. You own the team. Let the staff do what they, you know, give them, encourage the staff, tell them flat. It's a business. I understand. But, you know, give them out for me. If I was the owner, I'm like, listen, you got five years. Make it happen in that five years. If you don't do it, right. you're out of here. But you got that five year window to make my my business the best business you can make it. Right. And in that time, if you can do it, awesome. Yeah. If you can't, I'm getting you out of here. I'm just going to be honest with you. But oh, year so after year after, like the Brown situation, bro, it's so frustrating. Yeah. It's so frustrating. It's, it's, it's ridiculous what's going on. And then when that individual told me that story, yeah. I'm like, yo, this is, they were tanking. Like, they weren't even trying to win. And, and if you look back, you, you, can, just, you can just see it. They, 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 and it's not the players. It's the, it's the management, right, putting them in that, in that situation. Well, yeah, the players are out there trying because you're all competitive. You right. get to that level by being competitive. You can't get out there and not try. But, yeah, I mean, it's, that was, say what you want about Hugh Jackson. And, and, you know, I think he was probably frustrated. But, yeah. man, that, that time as a Browns fan was just, I don't know, crazy. You might be a little too involved if you're, if you're taking <laughs> advice from someone living on Leave it the alone. street and telling you to – to draft man. We don't need to bring that into it. <laughs> a little bit too involved, but no, I, I agree with No, I agree with you, uh, uh, Cecil. I, I, whenever I have this debate with anybody, it's, it's about meddling owners. It's that's like, it. Listen, that's you're the it, money. <laughs> that's all. That's, that's what you are. I mean, I get it. You good at you. You have some input into maybe like the business, the marketing and the promotion of the team, but no, no, I do think in certain situations that for you, like, I think if Freddie Kitchens is in over his head, he shouldn't have been hired as a head coach. He shouldn't have been hired. Like, what are are you doing Browns? Like, why do, why do we do that? So I do think he should have been fired. Like that was, you know, he, he didn't know what he was doing. He lost the team. It just wasn't a good look. Right. I think that, but it should be something like that. It should be something yes. where it's just so yeah. painfully yes. obvious. Like this guy is effing up everything he's doing. Absolutely. If a guy comes in his first year and he's you know he's like Freddie Kitchens, it was just way it was just too much for him. You got to get rid of him. But if a guy comes in and is establishing a culture and is trying to do the right thing, and they go you know 
four and uh, whatever, 12, give him a chance. Give him a chance to get going. We don't, you know what I mean? Give him a chance to prove himself. Don't just get rid of him. Oh, yeah. your first year, you didn't go 11 to five. Oh, you're out of here. That's dumb. You're just dumb. Yeah. So, so your NFL career probably feels like it went by in a bit of a flash. Uh, you know, obviously the injury bug came at you yeah. more than most uh, after a couple of really good years in Jacksonville. Yeah. And then you signed with a couple other teams and you took a really, really nasty leg injury. Um, and, and did you kind of know at that point, like, all right, this is it. Like, did the doctors tell you that? Or was that just like, I, I'm just, I'm not coming back. So on that. So I remember like it was yesterday, it was December 4th, 2016. I was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that was my first start with the Buccaneers. So I got cut from Houston and I went to Tampa Bay and I was like a four or five receiver uh, fourth or fifth on the depth chart, just kind of playing my role, a few catches here and there, whatever. Um, and then I finally got some rhythm with Jameis. And I think two games before that game, I had a really good game against Kansas. Not really good, but five, six catches versus Kansas City, about six or something yards, whatever. So they, I ended up being starting a couple weeks later, and we're on a roll. We won like four or five games straight. And um, third and 15 is man coverage. Um, is press man, and I'm lined up in the slot. I jab outside, he hops outside, and I'm going vertical. I got him. I stick my foot in the ground at 15 yards, and I run an in route. I see Jameis throwing me the ball. I'm thinking I'm gone. Fellas, I thought I was out the gate 88. I'm like, this is to the crib. <laughs> as, soon, as soon as I touch the ball, um, Jaleel Adai right. takes my knees out. And flips me over. Somehow I caught the ball and it was the first down. I, I just want to throw that in there. Just so I, just so yeah, I can look yeah. good, you know. Just so I can look good. You yeah. still caught the ball. <laughs> I, I don't know how I caught the ball. So I, I tried to get up and I couldn't. So I kind of waved to the trainers. Hey, come on. But they were already running. So I guess the hit looks really nasty. And they flipped me over. And the, the, the pain I feel, I guess my body went in shock. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't really feel a lot of pain. It felt like I hit my funny bone, right, like on your elbow. It didn't really. It didn't really hurt that much. But they started like jacking my knee around and trying to do something to it. So I'm like, hey, 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 can y'all leave my knee alone? Like that stuff hurts. And they're like, well, see, so relax, just relax. I'm like, I'm trying, but y'all messing with my knee. Right. If y'all leave my knee alone, I'll be all right. <laughs> and I'm talking to them just like I'm talking to y'all right now. I'm I'm perfectly fine. Yeah. So they're like, see, so you dislocated your knee. We're trying to pop it back in place. And I yeah. said, oh. So I kind of laid back down on the ground like, okay. But in my mind, I still didn't get it. So I'm like, I dislocated my shoulder last year. They popped it back in. I missed a week, and I played, I played you know, a week later. I'll be fine. So I might miss one or two games, and I'll be back. Not knowing that when you dislocate your knee, you tear everything in it. So... They carted me off the field, boom, 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 whatever. I'm all hyped up. I'm like, yeah. come on, guys, let's go. Let's win this game. And I go in the locker room, and I'm, I'm really at peace, to be honest, because at this point I was so fed up with the politics of the game. I was so fed up with yeah. everything surrounding the game. I'm like, I almost retired the year before or going into this year because I'm like, I'm just tired of this silly stuff. They're lying to me. Like the Texans, we had an interesting relationship, me and the GM. Um, he asked me to take a pay cut, and I'm like, why? I'm not making that much money. Why do I got to take a pay cut? Well, you got <laughs> yeah. other guys over here that's not earning the money that you gave them. <laughs> like, you right, right. Pay cut. 
so I ended up taking the pay cut, but he promised me a, a roster spot. So I'm like, I had, I had my, my best training camp going into year six. My, it's my best training camp I've had. And they end up cutting me while I'm at my best friend's wedding. I'm the best man at my best friend's wedding. They end up cutting me after cuts oh. were over. So I'm like, what the hell y'all doing? Long story short, I end up in Tampa Bay. And I'm getting carted off. And one of my best friends is at the game. He comes to the hospital with me. And they don't tell me nothing. They just, you know, dope me up. And they got me high on drugs, taking x-rays and stuff. So I really don't feel no pain. I feel some pain, but it's not really that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. My wife tells me two years ago, they almost had to amputate my leg. Wow. I was a centimeter or something off of them after having to cut my leg completely off. They were worried about the nerves and everything else. And I had no clue. No clue at all. No clue at all. But nobody would tell me. And my, my agent, who's a good friend of mine, I had to live with him. So I got hurt in San Diego. I couldn't right. fly home to Tampa because they didn't want the the air, something with the air pressure or whatever. I just want to be yeah. safe. So they kept me out in Cali. I had to drive an hour, hour and a half, two hours to L.A. Um, to live with my agent and get surgery out there. Um, and I, when they did, so it was, I ended up having like six, seven surgeries, six surgeries, I think. And uh, the first part of my surgery was my ACL, my PCL. So they like staged everything. No, it's my first part of my surgery, my MCL and PCL. It was one of the males. I don't know. It was one of the males. <laughs> but, I, I, <laughs> but I had to, I couldn't move my knee for I told everybody month. I could do my knee. So. so I had to keep it in this big old brace and keep my knee literally straight oh. like this for a month. So I'm on my agent's couch for almost three weeks, not moving. Couldn't take showers. I'm like, I feel like a bum. Like, what's, <laughs> what, what's, what's going on? I'm with, hey, somebody needs to mow your lawn. Yeah, I'm like, hey. I just, Getting a little long out there. It was incredible. <laughs> and, you know, six surgeries later, I'm still in rehab. Until the pandemic, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I was Dude. still doing rehab. I'm still trying to get healthy. I'm still trying to be able to do different stuff. I do, um, by the grace of God, I'm able to run now. I didn't know how I'd be able to run ever Good. again. So now I'm starting to get back into running slowly. Um, I try to, you know, take advantage of that and run around with my, my kids and keep active. But, man, it was a scary, scary moment. You know what I mean? But at the same yeah. time, it was a, a relieving moment because I'm like, okay, I know I'm done. Mentally, I was done. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm out of here. But physically, I was done. I just didn't know how to what extent. Right. So it's all the old jokes. Like, you know, you, you might hear your grandparents say, I was about to rain outside because my elbow hurt. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cold outside because my knee. I I know all that's true. When every time it rains, <laughs> yeah. my knee hurts. I know when it's cold outside. Oh. I know everything, and it's like it's sad because when you play football, right. it's like an unwritten rule. You know what's gonna happen. You know what I mean? You go, you go, you go out the NFL three ways. You retire on your own, which very few people get to do. Right? Very special people yep. get to do that. You get cut or you get injured. Them the three ways you go out. And unfortunately, I went out the injury route. And that's just what you sign up for. You don't necessarily, you know, right. sign that line, hey, if I get injured, whatever. Yeah. But that's just part of the game. Um, don't, didn't want to go out like that, but I was fortunate to be able to play, man. Coming from Division three school, yeah. taking care of my family. So many memories. It was, it was an amazing, amazing journey, yeah. man. So no, no complaints. No complaints at all. I like to think of, like, a conversation that could be happening with you and your wife, like, Hey, do you want to move to like Seattle? Nah, nah, I can't. My knee. Nah. <laughs> it's too rainy up there. You want to go to Cleveland? Ah, uh, my shoulder. Nah. No, I can't do it. Right. It's crazy. Before we wrap it up, we want to hit on a couple current things that are going on in the NFL, but I want to ask you one more question about your story just because I think it's fun. 
what's what's your if you look back on your whole yeah, career, okay. Collinwood, Mount Union, NFL, what's your what's the one game where you're like, that is my favorite football game I've ever played in? Ah, man. Oh, uh, uh, so it's probably two that come to mind. Um one of them was a game winner in Cleveland in 2013. All right. Slant Shut slant up. and go on uh Joe Hayden. Sorry, Joey. Slant slant and Joe on Joe Hayden. Well, he's with Pittsburgh now, so that's cool. <laughs> for the for the game winner. That was and now I had like 70 family members there, a bunch of friends. I remember that game. So that was that was pretty cool. It was a game in college. Not cool, Cecil. I'm sorry. It was a game in college where um <laughs> Our starting quarterback got hurt, and it was the semifinals before we went to the championship. Our starting quarterback got hurt. They put me at quarterback. And um, <laughs> funny story, my first pass I threw in the stands. Terrible. I'm like, what the <laughs> that is some Brady Quinn level stuff right there. That is Brady Quinn on the Browns level. It's Brady Quinn, Spurgeon win. That's, that's all that. <laughs> Todd, that was all that, man. Listen, it was just bad. It was – I'm like, I warmed up, but, you know, I just I was, my adrenaline was going. But I ended up having a great game, taking my team to the championship. So that, that's, 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 that's one game I would think in college that was amazing. That, that game was hype. That's cool. And then, um, so I guess those two. There's a few of them in, in the pros. I'm like, that was, that was pretty fun. I had a game winner my uh, 2012 versus Indianapolis Coast. That was pretty cool. My family was there. So yeah. I caught up. I caught the pass, and as I'm running, my dad and my uncle are running with me in the, in the stands. Yes. So they're, they're in the stands in the walkway running with me. While I'm running down to the end zone, they're running behind me. Let's go, boy! Let's go, boy! Let's go, boy! <laughs> and I'm like, I'm hearing the story after the game, and my uncle okay. almost got kicked out of the stadium um, because he was acting so crazy when he scored the game when he touched down. It was, it was wild. So those, those games come to mind. Definitely the Cleveland one, though. That was – so, you know, to have a game winner in your hometown is, is pretty special. You know what I mean? That's fair. That's fair. Oh, absolutely. Let's talk to each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, if, like if your uncle could have been – if your uncle could have been your Isaac Bruce to your Tory Holt, you know how they would run down and, like, talk to each other? <laughs> yeah. But another little funny side story, and you wouldn't have seen this, but so when they Channel Five, you know, I, you, Channel Five, Newsnet Five, I have that app on my phone, right? So back in that day, you had just caught the game winner, and after that season, they just signed Joe to an extension, right? And some buffoon torching <laughs> him. <laughs> the graphic they put up when they said, "Oh, Joe Hayden signs five-year extension with Cleveland Brown." <laughs> Was they yes, showed you yes, running to the into the end zone catching that pass? I love it. <laughs> him. I went on. Oh, great channel five. Great job, channel five. <laughs> the last the last thing I wanted to ask you because you know you just went through your you know, extensive story about your injury, uh, Cecil. Has have you or has Alex Smith reached out to you? Because it sounds like he's he you know he was kind of going through the same thing that you went through. Um, so I don't know if you guys have had any contact or if you, if you've talked to him about, uh, about the situation and, and to help him out or anything. No, no. So I didn't uh, have any contact with Alex. Um, I never met Alex. He, uh, we, I think, I'm know what, we met each other in, in passing one time. We kind of had like a mutual friend. Okay. 
but he I never I never talked to him, but his story is awesome, man. I'm so glad that he's on the up and up. It was amazing what he went through. It was very similar to what what I what I had to go through. Yeah. Um, but uh I, I admire him for continuing to try to play. You know what I mean? Once I had mine, my doctors told me, Hell no, nah, we're not letting you play. <laughs> that, that's not even a thought, you know what I mean? So for him to try to go out there and do what he's doing, um, and to see his wife behind him, his family, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool to see. You know what I mean? So I'm rooting for him. I'm one of his biggest fans now. I think he was always a cool guy, um, just outside looking in. But I'm I'm rooting for him, man. Maybe just to give him one more good year and then and then get out get out while you can. Go on on his own terms, maybe. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. All right, so let's talk a little bit of current NFL. And you know, you live down in the Houston area, right? So let's yeah. talk. Let's start down there with because uh, you're involved with the Texans, you cover them down there now, right? Yeah. yeah. What? Uh, what the hell are they yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah. What? What? Listen, what, what, listen. what did they do? Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. It's. It's. It's to the point where it looks like I'm being honest here. It looks like Bill O'Brien schemed his way to the top. It looked like you know Billy O always kind of blamed the GM for whatever happened. So he figured out a way to get rid of Rick Smith. Um, then he bring in Brian Gain. He figured out a way to backstab and get rid of Brian Gain. And now he's the GM and the head coach. So now he's trying to run things the way he wants to run things. And he is more of a in the mindset of trying to build it exactly like the New England way. That's the only team he was under in the NFL. And obviously he was there when Randy Moss and all those guys had an incredible year. Things undefeated all the way up until the Super Bowl. So yeah. he's seen it at his best, right? At his at his height. So he's trying to do it in that fashion. And I think in a way that's good, but also you can't beat New England. It's only one Bill Belichick. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's that simple. It's, it's cool to take some things from it, but have your own identity, right? Do things your own way. Sure. And it, it's not looking like he's doing it in, in that way. He's trying to be exactly like uh, New, I mean, New England. It'll be, it'll be time when I was in Houston, we would watch New England film. Oh, this, this is how we want to run it. This is how we want to do it. We're like, yo, bro. No. Uh, what, what are we doing right now? But he, to be honest, he's a very intelligent guy. But as a GM, he might be in over his head. He might be in over his head. This, this, for example, they offered Carlos Hyde two years, $10 million during the, during the season. He just signed for one year, $2 million. So, like, what are you doing as far as market value? Like, you don't know the value of – like, he's just – that's just terrible. You're $8 million off. Like, you're, you're $8 million off. You would have overpaid for him. It's like four years – it's like four million with incentives, but it's like two, year, two million salary. Like, you just – you offer him two years, $10 million. What are you doing? Right. Um, you, 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 yeah. he's kind of end over his head. Now he has a talented roster, right? Obviously, Deshaun Watson's amazing. Um, but trading your yeah. best receiver for I, I like I love David Johnson. Yeah, I, love I do. Him too I love David Johnson. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like. I, I yeah. don't a lot of money. You know, and hopefully, hopefully, he can be healthy and have a good year. I'm rooting for him. But what's the likelihood of that? You know what I mean? With a running back, when they get older and they dealt with so many injuries. And they can hit every play. It's uh, you know what I mean. You trade it for an older back, and you give them twelve, yeah. thirteen million. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I think they'll they'll, they'll be a winning team. They'll be nine and seven ish. They'll definitely make the playoffs. They'll be nine and seven, but it's, it's no guarantee they'll win the AFC South. They won the AFC South for the last five years. 
there's no guarantee they'll win it, but they'll they'll have a they'll have a, a decent year. It's just a matter of will they be Super Bowl contenders? And I just I just don't know as of right now. Um, okay, outside of the Browns, which I know is your probably your favorite off season, um, who else <laughs> had the best <laughs> off season uh, moves in your mind? This off season? Yeah. Yeah. Uh I do think Cleveland has some really good moves. I think getting that tackle in is awesome. I think they, they are getting uh what's what's the tight end they got? I can't think of his name from Atlanta. Awesome. Hooper, Hooper's a baller. So yeah. and I'll be honest with yeah. you, I'm not a big fan of Mayfield. I think he talked his, he talked way too much last year. Like it's it's a it's a it's okay to have a chip on your shoulder, but when that chip becomes too big and you're talking about your teammates' money situations, and you're talking about trainers not talking, not handling OBJ situation correctly. It's just you talking too much, and you're burning bridges. Yeah. And it's going to come a time where you need the people that you're talking about, and they're not going to want to work for you because of what you're doing. So I, I, I need Baker. There's no excuse for Baker this year. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sorry I'm getting off topic. There's no excuse yeah. for Baker. You've got weapons no. all around you. you got Nick Chubb, who's – he was second in the league in rush. He should have been the lead rusher last year. That made me mad. Anyway, um, so mad. <laughs> like, what are we so doing, mad. Freddie? Anyways, so um, like you got you got a, a better offensive line. I mean, the, the what you did in the draft was amazing. You went out and got your offensive tackle. Like I was expecting right. them to mess it up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting them to go, go draft a receiver or something first round. I didn't know what. Right. Oh, what yeah. <laughs> but they they. They're filling needs, right? They went out and got the safety from LSU in the second round. Yeah. They're doing a good job. So I do think they had a good offseason. I think, um, to be honest, Tampa Bay, man, Tampa Bay out here is you surrounding, you, you bring in Tom Brady. And the thing is, say Tom Brady retires next year, you can plug in a quarterback and they are ready to go. Like yeah. you have weapons galore. Your offensive line is getting better. Um, the defense is, is better. Like it's, they did a good job in the draft, drafting off of the tackle, drafting uh, Antonio Winfield Jr. or to Antoine Winfield Jr. Yep. Um, to fill that safety cornerback role, that slot, that slot role. They they did a good job, man. And then lastly, let me think. Let me think. Um, I, the Dolphins. I yep. think the Dolphins did decent. The Dolphins impressed me last year in the later parts of the year. They played hard for yeah. Flores. And yes. I was thinking they were, you know, they were tanking. Like, they weren't trying to win. They played hard for them. They, they turned that thing around. They, they played decent. And then the draft, they got some good value for the players. They got Tua. They got, some, they got an offensive tackle. They got some good ball players. They did a good job in free agency. They got tons of money. So, I think they'll build from that. And they'll, they'll, be, in the, they'll be in the six to seven range of wins this year. But they're, they're going in the right direction, okay. in my opinion. Yeah, I I agree with you on Tampa Bay, man. Uh, you know, going into the offseason, the the draft, you know, people were kind of anointing them Super Bowl contenders. Which, you know, anytime you have Tom Brady on your team, yeah, sure, it, you know, it's going to make you better and you're going to be a contender for the playoffs. But I, I thought, you know, the offensive line wasn't very good. I didn't think they have an, you know, had an established running game. You know, I, I, you know, I think because Tom really, especially at this stage of his career, is going to thrive off of play action. But if, you know, if you're running, yeah. respected, yeah. you know, I just thought too much had to go right for them so quickly. But after the rest of their offseason moves, yeah, I, I, I'm in with them, man. I, I totally agree with you. And somehow they got Gronk, like, oh my gosh. They're, they're... <laughs> yeah. So Tom Brady goes into Tampa Bay, Jameis is out. 
this is a this is a question that I just cannot get an answer to in my head. Uh, maybe I can, but so Jameis has to humble pie his way over to New Orleans, which I think was a great move for him. Uh, but the dude threw thirty three touchdowns last year and five thousand yards. Like he threw way too many interceptions, but okay, like you can live with that. That was. That's like what Brett Favre did his whole career. Yep. Throw for a ton of yards and a touch, ton of touchdowns and a whole bunch of interceptions. Yep. And he's a Hall of Famer. Yep. Uh, uh, Cam Newton's not even playing. On, he's not even on a team. Mm-hmm. He's not even on a team this year. We're talking about Cam Newton. Like, I know he's got injury history, but, like, he's not even on a team. Uh, what's happening? Like, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I feel like, I feel like there were so many teams that could use a quarterback. Yeah. I like, think I th- think that would just go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I just feel like, uh, like for me, it was, I, I don't know. It's both of them. Jameis, Cam Newton. Like, I don't know. I feel like if I needed a quarterback and my, if I'm a fan of a team and they need a quarterback and it's like, Oh, we just picked up Jameis on a one-year deal just to, you know, or Cam Newton on a one-year deal to see if he can stay healthy. And then we'll see where he goes from there. Like I am pumped, like through the roof pumped if my team needs a QB and that's who we're looking at. And and both of those guys, like for a while, it was like, is Jameis going to even find a team? Yeah. He threw 30. What's going he on with that? 33 I, I, and he couldn't see, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, you couldn't even see. I think, uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's, a, it's a couple things. Number one, with the pandemic, and I think that's the biggest thing, you, aren't, you're, you can't get your doctors on them. Right. You can't get the people that you trust on them and feeling how they, you know, how's the ankle, yeah. how's the foot, how's the, the eyes, I guess, whatever James had um, coming back from. So I, I think that's the thing. Um, but with Cam, I think Carolina hit, did him wrong. They held on him a little too long. If Cam would have got let go earlier before. Yeah. He would, yeah. have, he would have been on the team already, sure. whether it was San Diego, whether it was whoever. He would have been on somebody's team. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. You know where a good spot for Cam Newton would be? And you're not going to like it. No, it's the Browns. Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> the Pittsburgh yeah, well, Steelers. Yeah. Like, you can sit, sit on the bench behind Big Ben for a year. Big Ben retires. Let Cam come in healthy. Man, he'll be he'll be awesome with Mike Tomlin and those guys there. I think he'll be a good fit. Uh, Mason Rudolph is the future franchise. Of the uh, Steelers, forget what me. they have said. That's I what they have Miles said. Garrett. I love Miles Garrett. I hope he punches. You him. know, <laughs> I love Miles Garrett too. The only thing I wish that would have only because I hate how that all went down, and then we freaking lost him for the year. Yeah, and I went to Texas A and M, so I I love Miles Garrett. Uh, uh, I think the most iconic – it could have been one of the most iconic moments in franchise history if he would have ripped his helmet off and then handed it up to the stands. Oh, that would have been amazing. And been like, here that you go. Here's, this, here's the Steelers quarterback. He, does, he maybe gets suspended for a week because they had an altercation. That's, that's legendary. That's and legendary. He swung the helmet, and I was like, no. Yeah. I like no. that. Or if he just, like, chucked it to the sidelines, you know, or, or, yeah. or something like that. But – uh I thought he was really lucky that he hit him with that open end of that helmet. <laughs> like, like All right. really lucky. Cecil, so one more question because I think we've kept you long enough and, and you've been very generous with your time. We've had a great time with you uh, just, just talking about you, talking about the NFL. Uh, but let's assume we've got a season. Okay. 
hopefully, please God, let us have a season because I can't, I can't do this anymore without sports. Uh, my withdrawals are daily. Blue balls, man. Uh, Blue balls. Yeah. Uh, give us your, give us maybe a surprise, like your surprise team, the team you think is going to jump out. Maybe it's Miami, um, or maybe it's the Colts. I mean, Philip Rivers on the Colts could do some things. Uh, but give us your surprise team, and then uh, uh, give us your, give us who you would think maybe your two teams in the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, surprise team, Arizona Cardinals. Oh, all right. I think they're going to make the playoffs. Okay. I think they'll be, I think they can be a, I think Kyler Murray is the real deal. I think all, he's like a Oompa Loompa out there. You ever seen Lee <laughs> Wonka? Like, he's like a little Oompa Loompa out there. Um, he sings the song every time they have a touchdown. <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> he's amazing. And you add DeAndre Hopkins to the team, Kendrick. Kendrick. Yeah. Kenyon Drake is a better fit for them. They went out and got Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons falls to them in the draft. Um, it's just a lot going their way. I think I think they can be a surprise team this year. Super Bowl matchup. Uh, in a perfect world, it would be Browns, right? Yeah. But yeah. Um, let, let me think. Super Bowl matchup. You match can stick up. with that. Yeah. <laughs> Super Bowl matchup. Uh, I think it would be out the NFC. Um, uh, give me a second. Hold on, guys. Give me a second. Let me think here. Yeah. You can think. Uh, Thoughtful answers is what we look for. I do, I, do not think, I do not think Tampa Bay is going to make it to the Super Bowl. Okay. No. All right. Um, I do not think Baltimore is going to make the Super Bowl. Well, you are now my favorite player that's ever played in the NFL. Uh, Thank <laughs> you for saying that. Because <laughs> yeah. if there's one thing I hate more than the Steelers – Oh yeah, tell me about it. Um, who Super Bowl pick? You put me on the spot. Um, I think the Saints are done. You know, it's not wow. not going to be too many years. And I mean, every year is something, right? I'm I'm so tired of Saints fans. Oh, it's the rest this year. Oh, the rest this. Year. No, you guys are just choking. Um, okay, they're not choking, but they're just they, they're just, how many breaks are you going to get? Right. So I think the Saints are out. So I'm I'm a now that you're thinking. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say, oh, this is tough. You're, so you're making me think, though, that like now I'm thinking about where the Browns are, and I'm thinking about the AFC, right? And I'm thinking about the quarterbacks in the AFC and the teams in the AFC, and I'm listening to you just struggle over this NFC decision, and I'm thinking great quarterbacks in the NFC, but they're all like 400 years old. All, Tom I mean, Brady and yeah. Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, and they're all great. They're all great, but they're all – yeah, it's not like they're going to have another 10 years of domination. And I, here we are in the AFC, like, oh, we get Patrick Mahomes to deal with for the next million years and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so I, I was trying to pick somebody else besides Pat Mahomes, but it's hard. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Mahomes, okay, yeah. Mahomes is good. So I'm going to say it's crazy. The Kansas City Chiefs versus. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of all the NFC teams in my head. Come on, Cecil. Uh, oh, okay. Seattle. Kansas City versus Seattle. Oh, Seattle. Kansas City okay. versus Seattle. I'm a big Whoa. fan of Russell Wilson. Um, all right. Because he's a short black quarterback. I yeah. love all short black quarterbacks. But um, <laughs> I think, I think uh, if they add one more piece – at the receiver position or the offensive position, offensive side, they, they could be a, a, a wrecking ball. I think Russell Wilson is amazing. So I would say I'm going on the limb. I was going to say Kansas City and Seattle. 
Apparently, he was almost a Brown, <laughs> according to reports this summer. Apparently, he was uh, almost a Brown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you know how much that hurt? Apparently, like, that, I, that I, reading I, that report? I almost yeah. cried when I heard that. I'm like, so why didn't it happen? <laughs> like, was that our fault? Yeah. Because if we, if we said Baker me? over – over, I, I no, see, I don't believe Haslam would would not take that deal. Not Haslam, who is Dorsey? Dorsey, I well, don't that's believe what, Dorsey would not take that deal. Yeah, that's what like Cleveland fans are all like. Oh, but you can't talk bad about Baker Mayfield. I'm no, like, you're not talking you're bad not. about Baker Mayfield. What you're doing is you're saying what I'm saying is you don't know what you're getting in the draft right off the bat. But if the player you draft turns out to be as good yeah. as Russell Wilson, uh, yes. You nailed it. Yeah. Because, so because yes. go get Russell Wilson. Because at the time it was just a pick. That's all it was. You didn't know you who you were taking. You didn't. Was, right. Russell. You were taking. A- That's all right. We got, we got to hope for Baker Mayfield. Uh, and we got to hope he keeps his head on straight. And, and for the love of God, for the love of God, we hope that we have a coach that understands how to use a player like Wood <laughs> and Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper and David Njoku and, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and yeah, if you can't come on, Stefanski, it's it's a pro bowl. It's it's an all star team. Um, Cecil, one more question that just popped into my my head. Uh, I can't believe I forgot this. Um, What do you think happens to the Patriots this year? I mean, I know they still have Bill Belichick, but. Uh, you know, new. I mean, they're going to have to usher in a new quarterback. I, I don't know. What What do you think happened? They lost Kyle Van Noy. <laughs> they you know, had a few. They they'll, they'll still have a good defense, and they uh, Bill Belichick is a is a hell of a coach. But they'll be under five hundred. They'll be seventy nine, six and ten, seventy nine, somewhere in there. They they they're gonna they're, they're gonna miss time. It's not they don't got Gronk. All they really have is Edelman. Um, and then that defensive side is still solid. Like you, you mentioned, they lost Van Noy. Um, but some of their secondary is older. So I think they'll be six and ten, seven and nine, somewhere in there. I think Buffalo will be the winners of that division this year. It's Buffalo, Jets, New England, and uh, Miami. Yeah, I think Buffalo Miami. will win that division this year. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, listen, we kept we say this to all of our guests, uh, but we kept you for a long amount of time. No we appreciate it. Uh, we had a ton of fun. Your story, man, just coming up from Cleveland. You know, you know how it is when you're from Cleveland. Uh, we all have that thing about being from Cleveland. So, you know, I always find myself watching, you know, where it sees. I didn't go to Mount Union. I didn't go to Collinwood. Uh, I do not like the Jaguars. Uh, so, you know, I got no connection other yeah. than, oh, that's a Cleveland guy. So that's how we are as Cleveland sports fans. We watch you from high school to college to the pros and, uh, Man, just congratulations on everything you were able to, to accomplish uh, in, in the playing of, of the game. And, uh, man, best of luck with – I know you're trying to get into the – or you're into the broadcasting side and, uh, uh, and the talking. So uh, best of luck with that. Uh, hopefully we can see you again down the line. We've got some football, so maybe when the season starts we can talk to you again uh, and, and actually have some stuff to talk about. But, uh, listen, from, from us here at the Garage Beers Podcast, again, one more cheers to you and your Miller Lite. Uh, we appreciate your time. You go enjoy uh, enjoy the night with your family, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again down the line. Hey, I appreciate it, fellas. We talked to you long enough so that the kids are in bed now, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. well, the, the triplets are in bed. The older four, oh. they're, they're up, man. Okay. <laughs>
All right. Man. All right, man. Hey, Cecil, thank you again so much. Hey, take care. This fellas. was awesome. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you again. For sure. And once again, that was Cecil Shorts, the third Cleveland product who, uh, again, made us all proud on his way from uh, Collinwood High School to Mount Union all the way to the NFL. Uh, And again, just kind of a a shame the way his career ended, but uh, he had a real good outlook on it. He knew he was he knew he was done and he knew that was kind of the right thing for him. And uh, and it's good to hear that, it you know, after a, a, a leg injury that damn near cost him the when, you know, part of his leg, uh, that he can run, uh, you know, and that makes you feel good. Like that hit me pretty good. You know, he's got seven kids yeah, and young ones. The triplets are little, right? Really little. (laughs) Yeah. And he's got seven kids and you know, the fact that, you know, they were able to repair his leg to the point where now he can run and, 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 you know, get back to normal, uh, is awesome. And, you know, there's so much of that, that, you hear about those big career ending injuries and you think about his football career and, Oh, what could have been, and what could have been this. And, and then you think about it on a personal level, Chad. And it's like, uh, if you lose the bottom half of your leg, that's a totally different thing when it comes to your family and your kids. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that's, I, I mean, that's what any father wants to do. Uh, you know, when they're yeah. with their family is, is they want to spend time with their wife and, and their kids. They want to be able to play with them. You know, they want to be able to, you know, when they get old enough, teach them sports. And, you know, if, if he was, if he was missing a leg and not able to do that, that's just heartbreaking for a dad. But, uh, you know, I'm so happy for him that he got, got his leg saved. And, you know, it was an incredible story. I mean, that's something I don't, I don't, who knows if it's public knowledge or not, but uh, yeah, it's an incredible story, Michael. Well, Cecil down there now covering uh, covering the Texans in Houston. And again, all the best of luck to him as he continues that. Uh, and uh, uh, and what a great time we had with him. And we, we're just so grateful for him to come on the Garage Beers podcast. Again, episode number nine. So we're we're done with uh, we're done with uh, single digits, Chad. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to believe we're a couple months into this thing. By the way, if you want to follow Cecil Shorts and what he does, get onto his Twitter page at Cecil Shorts. Uh, well, is it? Would that be I I I? I'm gonna guess it's I. Yeah. Well, Cecil Shorts the third. Yeah. But you know, it's an I. It could be an L. But who who makes an L for Roman numerals? Right. It's it's I I I. Okay. At Cecil Shorts I I I Cecil Shorts the third on his Twitter page. So go give him go give him a look. But yeah, for us, we're gonna we're gonna call it a podcast for this week. Uh, uh, we were missing Joey, so we'd be remiss to to uh, to not give our buddy Joey a shout out. I got so excited to get to Cecil before I forgot to even say, "Oh my God, we're missing Joey!" But uh, Joey drove home uh, back to Nashville from Cleveland here today, and so he couldn't be with us for this. Uh, but he'll be back next week. Um, and we've got uh, listen, we've got some really incredible guests lined up coming up. So. You're going to want to stick with us. Go like us. Go like our Facebook page uh, at The Garage Beers on Twitter at The Garage Beers. Um, and then whatever, what's our Instagram name again? I can't even see our Instagram uh, page half the time. Garage underscore beers underscore pod. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. You can like us on Instagram. I know Chad Chad announced a little giveaway. Yeah. We got to get up to – we're trying to get up to 500 followers. So tell your friends. Like us on our social media pages. Once we get up to 500 followers, we're sending you beers. Yeah, we're sending you beers or, or a bottle of wine, one of your choice. So again, for Joey, who couldn't be here down in Nashville, he'll be back next week. 
Uh, for Chad over there on the east side, this is Michael Keefe saying thank you again for listening to the Garage Beers podcast. And until next week, cheers, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.